Before we get to the podcast, I want to send our love to our guy, Jonathan Sharks, who has been on this podcast many times, who is a huge, huge, huge part of the ringer and a beloved coworker and a beloved family guy and a beloved friend. He's really struggling right now. If you could put him in your thoughts, please do. We love you, Sharks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where if you're getting ready for football season, go to the Ringer Gambling Show, go to the Ringer NFL Show, go to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, go check out our local podcasts, Off the Pike with Brian Barrett, New York, New York with John Jastrzemski, The Full Go with Jason Goff, as he's just in a factory of sadness with the Bears, uh, Ryan Rosillo's podcast. I could just keep going and going. Go check all of them out. Go check out the Rewatchables, which is uh, putting up a new episode on Monday on Labor Day. We did Saving Private Ryan. It is two hours. Me, Sean Fennessy, Chris Ryan. Um, really a deep dive. What an amazing movie that is. Amazing movie to talk about too because it's got a couple flaws and we had no problem talking about those flaws, but for the most part, wow. What a movie. Still holds up 24 years later. Coming up on this podcast, it is part two of the Over Under podcast with me and Cousin Sal. We're going to run both of these on Thursday, and then Donovan Mitchell got traded. So if you missed that Thursday podcast, Rosillo came on last minute. We talked about the Mitchell trade. Sal and I did AFC Over Unders. And now here on this podcast, we're going to do NFC Over Unders, which we taped Thursday, and Guess the Lines, week one. We are here. We have arrived. So uh, we taped all of this on Thursday, but it, nothing's changed. It is still timely because he's coming up. And then after that, somebody I've wanted to have on this podcast for years and years and years, the great Dick Ebersol. He's on the, the last half of this podcast. We talked about his new book and a whole bunch of other stuff. Can't wait for you to listen to that. This is an awesome podcast. I feel like we should sprinkle in some Pearl Jam.
All right, we're going to hit the NFC East. I've been waiting for this all week. I can't wait. <laughs> Your team, the Cowboys. The Philly bandwagon started in mid, kind of mid-July That's with the Sharks. House, I knew you. I knew we were all in trouble with Philly bets when House went in early on a giant Philly division bet. And the odds have moved. Giant, oh, a giant, I mean, a, a gigantic Philly. Yeah, giant yeah. Eagles oh, bet. I see. So the Eagles odds, they are now plus 145 for the division. Look at it. We're starting with the Eagles. Well, I'm just, not I'm going to get to Dallas. I'm just yeah. giving you the odds. Uh-huh. Over under for them is nine and a half minus 145 action. First seed on Sunday, they were 16 to one to be the first seed. Now they're 10 to one. Their playoffs is almost up to two to one on FanDuel. It's minus 198. 10 plus wins is minus 130. And they won nine games last year. Yeah. So the case for them would be, how are they not one win better they, with all the stuff they've done? They, they nailed their draft pick, Davis. Mm-hmm. They traded for A.J. Brown. They got the cornerback uh, from New Orleans that everybody likes. I Another think- year with Hurts. Like, so just irrespective of Dallas, I think they are a 10-win team over. Now, the question is, well, what's I, going on already asked team? the team? Qu- can I ask the question? Why, why well, couldn't they get more than nine? Like, all right. But I, just, I think it was a stretch that they got nine last year. But go ahead, finish up. Your team. I think Philly gets to at least 10. Mm-hmm. Your team's over under is 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. It is now plus 105 to bet the over on the 10 and a half. Not a lot of believers. Right. Can your team get to 10 wins? You, yeah. lost, you lost your left tackle until at least December, Tyron Smith. Mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy about your offensive line before that happened. They've CD Lamb moved well, into the I number one receiver spot. Crazy about offense. I don't think you were crazy about it either. Uh, it was average. I think it was overblown because I think like, like the Steelers' defense, the Cowboys' offensive line is great for three years longer than it, it actually is. You know, right. so I think that's kind of thing. But you're right about that. Look, uh, the, you lost Gregory and you lost Cooper. Is, is closed a little bit, but I think I still think the Cowboys are better. Just go offensively, position by position. Maybe the Phillies are deeper. Maybe they got the best Georgia guys on defense to stuff the run, and the the big hogs on defense. But the Cowboys' defense went down ten points per game last year. Offensively, you'd rather have Prescott than Hurts. You'd rather have yeah, the Pollard-Elliott uh, combination than Sanders, right? Sanders is okay. A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, I think is a wash. Uh, the tight end, I think, is about... I, I like. I, I think I like Dalton Schultz. But, but Philly's offensive do. line is way better than Dallas' right. offensive line. That's the one difference. Okay, that's fine. But it, it was, and they still won 10, uh, 12 games uh, last year. I know, I know it hurts. Uh, well, so you lost three... Three like elite yeah, guys Collins, from last the, year. Yeah. Did you add any elite guys? No, we didn't add any. We took the Tulsa guy who like led the country in penalties. Um, so that's going to be a problem. But uh, <laughs> and it looks like he hasn't learned any lessons. But and you also had a coach that everyone thought was going to fire last year. See, that's fired. Like I wish he's I back. Was, yeah, I, I can only shit on Nick Sirianni so much when I have Mike McCarthy, right? But I'm going to go Cowboys under. Mm. Keep it at ten and seven. I do think they win exactly ten. And I pick, have the Eagles under also at nine and eight. That's how we do it. Okay. I have the Eagles under. You have I, the Eagles under. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have Dallas under. Yeah. I have the Eagles over and the Eagles, I think, is one of my locks. I do worry about the, like, Diggs had 11 interceptions. And once you, you dig into it and dig into it. But the you, interception luck. Yeah, that's kind of It's kind of like lucky. It's a luck. Like, the best interception guys have, like, four or five, you know. And to have 11 is right place, right time, or right tip ball, right time. We open with Tampa and Cincinnati, two division winners, but then Giants, Washington, Rams. Cowboys are tied for the easiest strength of schedule. I think they get it together and get to 10. More likely, they w- they go 12 and 5, or Mike McCarthy is fired by week seven, if you have to bet on Wow, one. that's a good one. I just don't think Jar has it in him. 
to dismiss anyone so yeah, he's early. He's re- weirdly loyal. What the hell's going on? Does he think he's going to live to, maybe he figures he's going to live to like 105. And he's got this worked out. Sean Payne's going to be your coach next year. Yeah. Doesn't it just that feels like that's year. where we're going? Yeah. I think he can swallow his pride, Jerry, and, and hire him already. Yeah. That'd be good. I have over for Philly. Just FYI. The rest of this division. I, here's, here, can I just say why one thing? I really, I'm just not a Hurts guy. I honestly think like, I think Gardner Minshew could win like five games with this team coming in, uh, mopping up. Like Hurts is like, you could have the best mac and cheese, the best mashed potatoes. You could have the best sides there. But if you're serving fried rabbit shit as an encore, that's still, that's still your plate right there. So I don't love Hurts either. And, and we bet on Tampa in the playoffs and they mm-hmm. just demolished Hertz. And it was one of those moments where I think I just checked out on him yeah, as ever being a successful playoff QB. But I don't think that matters in the regular season. We saw Tannehill get to a one seed last year. And Hertz. What is he, he at? Like Hertz 24 touchdowns, yards 13 interceptions. Like 24-13, I think, is his passing stats. And when he runs, he busts his ankle, it seems like. I don't know. Our ringer fantasy rankings, he was seventh out of the QBs. Yeah. Like he was ahead of Joe Burrow because of the rushing yards. Sure. So stupid. Yeah. Washington, we don't have to spend a lot of time on them. I got under for them. Eight and a half, I think is the weirdest over under in the league. Yeah. I don't get it weird. at all. Is that what the Browns were too? It's similar. It, it, yeah, you're they, right. That's they the weirdest. They both shouldn't be eight and a half. I, this is a resounding under to me. I like the six or less wins bet for them at plus 210. I Wentz, like I can't imagine Wentz is in the NFL by the end of the season. I What's just feel last like place, this would be it. Isn't last place like plus 250? Yeah, you could bet on the exact record. I like that too. Uh, and I think Ron Rivera, the, his best years are behind him. I think well, here's is- another thing. You mentioned the Chargers' lack of home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Who has a worse home field advantage than Washington? Right. Yeah. House is calling him the C-words. He's a Washington <laughs> fan. He calls them the Washington C-words. <laughs> but every home game, it's going to be just complete apathy or fans from the other team or people yeah. who went because the tickets were a dollar. Right. Nobody's going to those games. The thing is, they do have winnable. If you just look, if you just yeah. look at this guy, they have winnable games. I think they have, you know, the three extras are at San Francisco, Atlanta, and Cleveland. They have four games versus teams where they have a plus three day rest advantage, which is yeah, they were a dynamite. big rest advantage team. Yeah. Well, one thing with them, one thing reason why I was thinking of betting the under with them, they have the Giants in week thirteen, bye week Giants, Giants in week again. fifteen. Yeah, it's weird. So if they're Right around that number, you could mm-hmm. probably hedge in some sort of way. And and knowing me, I would We'd probably do it incorrectly. It but yeah. I have a, a strong under for them. Yep, 7 and 10 for me. And then the Giants, I got excited early July because it seemed like your team was in trouble. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there with Philly yet. I was like, maybe it's the Giants. New coach, Dayball comes in. Right. Just kicking ass. He becomes right. like this revolutionary, like when McVay went to the Rams and just mm-hmm. flipped them around. They're going to be bad. You think so? I do. I have them getting to eight. You do? And but and, and but they've had a weird week, right? Like Thibodeau goes down to that injury. Yeah. He should be okay eventually. And then like there's clips of Galladay not blocking, so yeah. he still sucks. And then uh, what was the thing the other day? Oh, they carted like Tyrod Taylor off. So well, and then good. the receivers, because people are like, well, Tony. It's like yeah. all right, if Tony plays eight games, that's going to be a miracle. That guy gets hurt every week. Mm-hmm. Galladay, who they spent all that money on, he's they were people wondering if he's going to wave. And the Kentucky receiver. We did a big fantasy pod on Tuesday, and um, I think Heifetz was saying how if he had to pick anyone on the Giants to get fantasy points, it would be Wendell Robinson, really? the rookie. Yeah, the rookie, yeah. That's where the Giants are. With the, yeah, this it's rough. little receiver is going <laughs> to lead them in receiving. Yeah. So I'm, I think under it's is weird safe when you them. look at you look at the um, what is Barkley around eight fifty. 
All those guys right. are around 850. Uh, yeah. Right, did you bet any overs for props this year? No, I'm doing unders. Yeah, just do unders it. is the I, I was telling, I was saying this. Like, if I had a brokerage where I just took, you know, hedge fund, like kind of like millions yeah. of dollars from people, we would probably waste it on money line parlays. But the smart thing to do, I swear to you, is bet all, especially running right. backs, but wide receivers, all under their rush total. I promise by week 12, you'll have 20, 20 in already. Right. You do 50 under bets and you'll probably go 35 and 50. Yeah. Something like that. I'm yeah. with you. So you are over on the Giants. I went eight and nine. Yeah. Seven and a half is Jesus. a little suspicious, but I kind of like it. I like what they did. And they're added three games or at Seattle and Carolina and home for Baltimore. Knowing you, you'll bet on this and the Giants will be seven and nine heading into week Against 18 the, and the Chargers the doctor is going to stab Tyrod Taylor again. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be it. He'll get That's knocked right. out. He'd be lucky. To be Tyrod they only have four playoff teams from last year they play. And two of them are Dallas and... and yeah, I, listen, I try to talk myself into it and I just don't think they have the talent. It's really tough when you miss some drafts. NFC, yeah. NFC North. I feel bad for my, my buddy Jeff Gallo. Lifelong mm -hmm. Vikings fan because the roadmap is here for the Vikings to be a legitimate sleeper. And yet so many people are on it that I don't feel like they can be called a sleeper. Right. They've been the go-to, I kind of like the Vikings. Mm -hmm. Oh, who's got a better offense than them? And so much momentum for that. And Kirk Cousins, who I think is both better than people think, but also not the guy you want if you're actually trying to win the Super Bowl. Right. But, I mean, if Thielen is really as healthy as he's been in four years, which he is by all accounts, Jefferson is the best receiver in the league, unless you want to say Cup is going to do what he did last year again. They got Cook. I don't know. They Osborne finally got rid of Zimmer. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, so that's the thing. For like, this is, is this the most favorable coaching change? People hated Zimmer, Zimmer was by the end. fucking corpse. Him. And now this O'Connell made Cup a superstar, right? Yeah. And so they expect the same with... Jefferson, like you said, all these other guys. And Thielen, by the way, he averages almost a touchdown a game. I know he has to be healthy, but yeah, I think he had like 10 touchdowns He's, in 12 games in the year before. It was We've all had him at this point. Nobody's yeah. like, oh shit, Adam Thielen's on my fantasy team. And so the big the big thing was uh, getting Zadarius Smith and yeah. from the Packers, right? So that already strong linebacking core yep. is even stronger. I still have them in second place, 10 wins over nine and a half. So their over-under is nine and a half. And the Packers over under is 10 and a half with minus 160 juice because oh, right. people just respect that uh, Rogers infrastructure so mm -hmm. much. They went 13 and four last year. For them to go under, they would have to go be three wins less. I didn't know what to do with this because I think both of those teams are in the playoffs. Yeah. But I think they're closer than the odds. Well, that first game is at right. Minnesota. Yeah, so if Minnesota wins that first game, which I think is a really nice time to catch Green Bay when they haven't totally figured out mm -hmm. the receivers, who's the alpha dog, all that stuff. But um, I don't, I, I just, I get the case for Green Bay where Dylan, Aaron Jones, and just this two-prong running attack, Rodgers mm -hmm. game managing and kind of bringing these receivers along and a really good defense. And they just kind of do it. And But I, I, I really think Minnesota's right there with them. And I can't believe I'm saying that. And I hate myself. So I think you're, well, I mean, we're doing, we did the same with the Chiefs, right? With Tyree Kill. Are we going to find out like who's better, Mahomes and Rodgers once and for all? Like who takes advantage right. of the shittier such a losing their superstar? Well, the the Bakhtiari, so it seems like he's back, but. But doesn't always seem like, like it doesn't. Can you rely on like, that dude? He needs like two seconds to throw the ball. Wasn't it yeah. when they went to Arizona on that Thursday night, they had linemen out and it's like, oh boy, forget it. Arizona was. 
think they were ten and two or ten ten and one or something or yeah. nine and one something. And uh and then they just they wiped it like Rogers figures it out. He really yeah. just does. If he has to dump it off to Jones or you know, any of these guys, I, I think he will. And they like that Dobbs guy. It was gonna be that it was gonna be Watson, who was the higher draft pick, but which I don't understand. He had like two receptions a game at North Dakota State. But, you know, Dobbs, not that bad, and they'll figure it out the rest of the way. Lazard. And Tanya, don't forget, didn't he have like 10 touchdowns in 2020? It's coming back. I think this is a decent offense, decent enough offense to win 12. I'm going slight under. I think mm-hmm. they go 10 and 7. Green Bay. I really? wouldn't bet it. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to... So the Vikings win the division? I have the Vikings win in the mm-hmm. division. So Vikings to win the division plus 240, but they're over nine and a half. I think that's one of my favorite bets. I really find it hard to believe they can't go 10 and seven unless O'Connell is a disaster. Right. So he might be. Right. You know, some guys, they get the main job and they're just... They need to stay. I mean, it's stupid to say they have to stay healthy, but like Hunter, Danelle Hunter and Smith or, you know, those guys are so in and out. And when they're in the lineup, it's uh, it's so much different on defense. Well, Minnesota also is AFC East, NFC East this year. Like just if you look at the nine yeah. and a half. Those are probably two of the three divisions right. I want along with the AFC South. I got to, the thing that worries me most is everybody likes it. Yeah. That's the absolute thing that I hate most about So who who was that team last year? Was um, it the Chargers it that everybody Chargers. liked last year? And then they ended up not making it somehow. Yeah. Chargers were definitely one. Uh, I don't like that everybody doesn't like it either. But I do think there's enough of a Kirk Cousins backlash that I feel okay with it. Mm-hmm. He does take an incredible amount of shit. He does. Yeah. What do you say about the whole argument that him and Dak are basically the same guy? Who said that? Where's this an argument? I just said same it right guy. now. I just said it. <laughs> no, they're not the... First of all, they're not they're the, the same, same stats. Guy. They've had the same playoff I've success. I've seen them in the, on a field together. They've had the same it. stats and Halloween. the same playoff success. Yeah. If That's you fine. covered their names up, you wouldn't know who was who. That's fine. I think I think you're right. <laughs> no. No, it's fine. What am I going to say about the Cowboys quarterbacks? I've defended Romo forever, and there's only a few playoff Did Dak take game. enough shit for completely fucking up the last minute of a playoff game that they, ended your season? I they, feel like everybody just glossed they over just that lost one. That, that they lost that game before then, though. They Did so, they? They were so outplayed. Uh, sure, they could have won if he hustled up to the line and got the playoff and threw a, a 35-yard Hail Mary. I think people pass. just like Dak. I think, they, they I think people make a lot of excuses for that date. If Kirk Cousins really? had had that moment with the 16 seconds left and not got a playoff, he we would have been talking yeah, about but it. Yeah, he's allowed now. That's because it's before the game. He's right. screaming at People everybody. like Dak. Yeah. But that was terrible. Right. I'm not, uh, deep I can't down, I don't it. think you trust I, him. I, I, want, I, want to, uh, I want to go after the coach on something like that. <sighs> well, you kept him. I think, you're, I think uh, they're a playoff team, though. Me too. Not that hard to make the playoffs. Do we have any other? Did you have just the Eagles making the playoffs and not the Cowboys? I'm going to reveal that at the end of the podcast. Oh, man. Are they, but before we gloss over, are they both 145 now? Yeah. They are now. Dead even. even. Good. I, I think like the it. Eagles should be favored. Yeah. Detroit, over under six and a half. They're plus 850 to win the division. One of my favorite long shot, what the fuck bets. A lot would have to happen. 10 plus wins, plus 380. Worst record, 12 to one. So the Lions, they're three and 13 and one last year. They were. And I think Vegas's <laughs> premise with this is they keep the over under. <laughs> Within three wins, they won't go higher than that. For the bad lottery team. Yeah, they, they're yeah. just like, you're not going to do better than doubling your wins from last year. Well, why? And should yet, they be seven, you think? 
I have them at seven wins. I but, think they're like at least an eight, nine uh, team. I think they're pretty good. You, get, you got the hard knocks. No, I, did, I didn't watch yeah. hard knocks. I watched the first episode. Really? That's it. Oh, you should watch because their coaches are really dumb. Let me guess. They had some, <laughs> <laughs> the coaches were great. They're kind of dumb. Yeah, well, they, they did the matter. whole, oh, it's all ex-players, right? Oh, Aaron Glenn. Yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. Staley. Yeah, they Staley, went all the yeah. way through. Yeah. Here's one thing about hard knocks. This surprised me because I think we typically just laugh at hard knocks teams and think they fall flat on their face when the season comes around. Only four teams over the past 13 years of hard knocks have gone under their season win total. Mm. Nine and four yeah, to the over. It's pretty good. Only two finished with a worse record than they had the preseason year, preceding year. You know what I like about this team? They can block. Mm. They, have a, they, they have a top five offensive line. Mm. So at least there's a foundation of like, that's something. They, you know, the Goff, right. who... I think Goff is actually probably better now than he gets credit for. This is a guy that, with the Rams, yeah, I don't love Goff. I wouldn't be psyched if he was my quarterback. But How did you not? You didn't watch Hard Knocks? You didn't watch it? I Ben and I were watching, and then all of a sudden, he's, you know, we just have, we're, we have two on the DVR. Two yeah. behind. All right, you got to watch it. Why, you're uh, out on no, Goff? The, well, the only thing, I, I'm out on Goff. HBO's out on Goff. They didn't feature him at all. You think Goff didn't want to be He was off for like it? six minutes. Hmm. Could you do that? Can you say I don't want to be in it? Because it was all Maybe. on Blau and, and Boyle and all, both those guys were cut already. Let's go through quick. Can we get them to seven wins? Philly week one, they lose. Mm. Maybe maybe they don't lose. Mm. Washington week two win. Mm -hmm. At Minnesota, home Seattle. So there could be two and two I coming out of that. I have three and, th three and one. But go ahead, yeah. At New England, I think it, I that's that's the one where I think Detroit wins in New England and then it's his Belichick done. That's and then the Pats will somehow win the next. Here's week. the and we brought this up, but the last game is at Green Bay, and Green Bay might not need it. And the, the, right. this happens every year, so they could be six and ten, or you know, how about this week ten to week thirteen stretch at New York at Chicago, mm -hmm. at the New York Giants, home Buffalo on a Thursday in the early Thursday Thanksgiving game, right? Which is the best advantage they're ever going to have against Buffalo. You would think. And then yeah. home Jacksonville, home Minnesota, at the Jets, at Carolina, yeah. home Chicago, and then Green Bay might not need the last right. game. Yeah. I think they get to seven wins. I like it. I'm with you. I got seven. Exactly. Uh, Chicago, I do not think gets the seven wins. This over-under surprised me. I don't know why it's five and a half, and I don't know who's betting it, frankly. Yeah. It's plus 125 if you want to bet the under on FanDuel, which is insane. Mm. I, how's that not minus 170? Right. I I like them to have the worst record in the league. So should we bet it and then somehow fuck it up with the yeah. hedge where we But I warn you, Bears fans are out there and they're going to attack you. Why? Because they, uh, they, uh, they're very, very, because uh, you're basically saying that Justin Fields is going to fail. You, and it, it, This has nothing to do with them. I mean, they, they have, didn't build around They have them. a they're, top three worst offensive line and Mooney is their only receiver that could so even bad. play for a top five offense. Moon, Nikhil Harry was their big pickup and he's yeah. out now. And Who then stinks? you have Pringle and you have that Vellis Jones, the Tennessee wide receiver who's 25 years old. They they, they just, uh, the Tennessee volunteers, like they just, yeah, they're, they're in bad shape. And I know these Is major... Is it controversial to say that they have the worst skill guys in the league? Fields, ex I quarterbacks think might, I looked at Houston as close, but... Because Houston yeah. has at least Pierce and Cooks well, and Robert, Pierce, Wood, yeah. Robert right. Woods. They've, or no, Robert no. Woods on Tennessee. Yeah. They have Cooks and Pierce. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm way down on them. I know some of these big market teams can't have rebuilding years. Yeah. I think this is a rebuilding year. And, you know, Neverfloss is going to take it on the chin a little bit. They traded Khalil Mack. will probably end up being a good move, but... Yeah. In a couple of years, but... They're not going to be good this season. Well, just starting out, San Francisco at home, 
The Roquan San Francisco Smith could drama. have like 12 sacks. He doesn't want to play for them. Yeah. San Fran week one, that's 12 oh, sacks. At Green Bay on a Sunday night yeah. in week two, Rodgers is like 42-0 in his last 42 games. So 0-2 to start, and then it just gets worse. Yeah, I, I just have, I have them like 1-7 or 8. I don't know. I'm really down on them. Their worst record, it's the only one that there was action on. Because you know when you can see the lineup of the teams mm-hmm. in order of when the odds posted? yeah. And I the think moves. they were like 10 to 1 or 12 to 1 and now plus 750. Right. Well, it's not fair to Fields. Like they didn't build around him like they did for Tua or Hertz or some of these other guys, you know? And uh, that that makes me think it's absolutely a rebuilding year. Um, They lose Allen Robinson, who I think is going to be a star on the Rams, you know? Let's take a break and we'll do the other two divisions. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets, guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up with promo code BS to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. We are about to do Guess the Lines on this podcast. And the big question for me, it just looks so tasty. There's a teaser that just looks so incredibly tasty. And the question is this. Do you do the teaser? Do you get sucked in? Am I going to break my teaser rule? We're going to talk about that on uh, on Guess the Lines with Cousin Sal. I'm trying to get through this whole year without doing a tease. We'll see if I can do it. Play your way. Bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches, even teases. You can combine your bets for a chance to add a bigger pay cut with the same game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Kansas. Hmm. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose. Maybe you could put even a team with the name Kansas in it with promo code BS. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable. Free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com. RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITHIN-INDIANA. KSGAMBLINGHELP.COM in Kansas. 877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redlines, 1-800-889-9789. And 800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1800gamber.net in West Virginia. Okay, NFC South. I had the most trouble with Tampa Bay's over-under of anyone in the league. The over-under is 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. They're minus 270 for the division. They are 5-1 to at best record. They're 3-1 to to be the number one seed. They were 13-4 last year. They have a shitload of talent. And that's the case. Like, even if you're worried about Brady, even if you're worried about how there's have offensive mm. line injuries, they're still loaded. And there's a chance that their defense could be elite. You, you, it's very hard to run on them with Vita Vey in there and, and company. Not positive when Godwin's going to be 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't think their weapons are the same. There's a lot of people just penciling in Fournette to be awesome this year. I'm just never going to totally trust Fournette. Gage banged up. I'm not positive Fournette's not 300 pounds. Uh, and we covered Brady uh, yeah. earlier, but, you right. know, not... I, the thing that actually makes me feel best is going from Arians to, uh, to Bowles. Todd Bowles. Because mm-hmm. I thought Arians looked like substitute teacher last year. Their schedule... So I said this the other day. 
We're, we're kind of going to know after the first two games, right? Mm-hmm. At Dallas, at New Orleans. And if they're 0-2 coming out of those games, you could see the path toward Brady retires after week five. And yeah. And the Saints are shit. 4-0 against the Brady-Tampa Bay Bucks, So they, yeah. they could be 2-0 and the Bucks could be 0-2. I don't know. It's a, it's a, we're assuming a lot uh, right off the bat. I went under. I don't feel good yeah. about it. Um, I wouldn't bet it. But there's enough stuff here that just makes me nervous. I think it's really hard to go 12 and five or 13 and four with how long these seasons are with the injuries. Yep. And I just couldn't get there. What'd you do? I think they're slow uh, out of the gate. I think they win 10 games, which is a full game and a half under 11 and a half. I think 11 and a half is way high, right? Yeah. I think 10 and a half is better. I think they're 10 and seven. They get a wild card. I'm picking the Saints. That's my big swing. Well, I have the Raiders actually. Win the oh, so you, you have the Saints. I have the Saints at 10 wins. So that's another over by a game and a half. So Saints, the over under is eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Static action. Three to one to win, win the division. That's moved down like a little. Allen. I know you don't like it. No, but I, to me, this is like the Tua argument in the NFC. Mm-hmm. where I'm bringing baggage with the Dennis Allen thing because we enjoyed betting against him so much when he was a Raiders coach right. and he was just really overmatched. I was thinking about that when you said that. You said that the other day to me and I said, we've lost on all, every single one of these coaches. <laughs> I feel like we won on Dennis Allen. Won betting against him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but to win, I think you have to lose. We've had some first. coaches yeah. that we rode against pretty mm-hmm. hard and felt pretty good about it. And right. I think we made a few Dennis Allen jokes. Well, now we're going to give it all back. You know, he got him. fired after like week four. Is that what it was? He was a first coach fired winner one of wow. those years. Yeah. yeah. He's, he, he was really bad. I've not seen odds on coach, first coach fired. We got to find Oh, you it. haven't? You have seen it? I feel like I've seen it. Who is it? Who's that top? Tim McCarthy was way up there. He's at the top, though. He right? wasn't top. Is it he was Rivera or um, who would it no, be? No, it, it, it's, who would it be? Who would it's, you, uh, oh, uh, should Kingsbury be on there? Oh, yeah. Kingsbury's probably on there. He's got to be on there. And then... Um, Vera, Belichick for sure. Belichick no, has no, to be no. right on there. No. I mean, he might do something criminal. Yeah, Rivera's fire, probably yeah. the leader. I would say he's probably the top guy. Because yeah. all, all the other teams that suck got new coaches. It would be funny if Lovey Smith, if Houston just he's fired the their coach every year yeah. for <laughs> 10 years in a row. So New Orleans is... The, the one I really like with them as a bet is plus 118 to win the playoffs. Because I had a Omega hard 10. time... Mm-hmm. Getting to seven NFC teams, and you can bet. Yeah, because there know, are six NFC teams that have minuses in front of them to make the playoffs, and then it's a bunch of coin flips like the Saints at yes. plus one eighteen. Yeah, so you could just bet the over and say nine and eight is going to make the playoffs, and just bet that. Mm-hmm. But the playoffs bet is a little better odds, and in my That's opinion, smart. nine and eight probably makes the playoffs. Look at you. You're so I'd rather have those odds. Mathematician, also. thank you. That is smart. Yeah, a fun bet with them is they're twenty one and one to be the first seed. And we've we've talked about this on my last couple of pods. I just think the NFC is wide open. Mm-hmm. I don't love any team. There could be. Probably like Philly the most from a talent standpoint, but I don't know what that means because we have the same concerns about Jalen Hurts. Right. Um, yeah. So if Jameis lets it fly, I mean, he's only a couple of years removed from his 5,000-yard year. Again, there, right. there was a bunch of interceptions attached to it there, <laughs> A bunch. But, uh, it was not a 30. A bevy. A cornucopia. That's a nice... If Michael Thomas could play, it's a big if. That's pretty nice, right? I like Alave for uh, for offensive rookie of the year. I think you can get yeah. him at like plus eight fifty or something. Um, we always talk about Thomas the with teams, and they, yeah. they have 
Jarvis Landry. They have ifs that I kind of like, where it's like, if Michael Thomas, and yeah. it's like, well, Michael Thomas is really good. That's yeah. a good if. How about if, if Olave? If well, Kamara's not going to be suspended. Like, right. That's nice. That's a good offense all of a sudden. Their right. defense, I mean, you did your red chip, blue chip. You saw the Cam Jordans, right? You saw the Denario Davises. These, these guys are all solid. Hat tip to uh, Lombardi for the red chip, blue chip thing. Because yeah. that was the first I one. I just, I just think that's such a good framework to think Great. about mm-hmm. the levels of it. Um, the problem is that now guys are playing so many positions. It's hard to to put them like, oh, he is defense. He's a linebacker, defensive end, but sometimes DT too. Yeah, I had when I was trying to separate in categories. Parsons was the toughest one because right. I, I guess he's a linebacker, yeah, but when you watch him, it's like I don't even know what position that mm-hmm. dude is. All right, so we both have over for New Orleans. This is this is my weirdest one. I kind of like Carolina this I year. I know you do. They're over under six and a half. And it's plus 105 action. 10 plus wins is plus 500. Playoffs is f- plus 410. Mm-hmm. Worst record is 10 to 1. So they're 5 and 12 last year. So I only need two more wins. I have hopefully a healthy McCaffrey, who I would not draft in fantasy. I think it makes more sense to bet on him in a context like this. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore is like the secret really good receiver that yeah. probably there's never been a DJ Moore conversation ever. Right. And they have a couple bangers on defense. Burns, Thompson, J.C. Mm-hmm. Horn, everybody likes as like to be a possible all-pro. Chin. Well, they lose Reddick and Gilmore, right? Yeah. Who they lose? So. But I don't, I don't know what they lost with Gilmore. I don't know if he was the same guy anymore. He was still ranked pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they added Xavier Woods. Yeah, they're, they're uh, I, I, to me, it's like ba- people get very excited about Baker and he's in a better situation. But do you remember three good Baker games? I think he had like four games where he had two touchdowns or more. Right. And forever. So I'm not sure. Matt Rule, another one for maybe first coach fired. We didn't talk. That was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think unless they make the playoffs, he's getting fired. Yeah, he's 10 and 23. Yeah. Well, I like a slight over. I think they go at least 7 and 10. I got a main 9, actually. I have them a little better. I also like a slight over for this next team. Atlanta, Mm. they are, uh, their overrunners, four and a half. Mm -hmm. Last year, they were 7 and 10. There you go. (laughs) So I mixed those up. Um, (laughs) So, if you think they can go five and twelve, that's only a two win drop off. It's funny. I don't know how they're much worse than they were last year, because I really like Mariota. I'm just getting annoyed with not you, but no, I get I, it. I'll, I'll like Mariota, and you'll well, you'll like him, and then everybody likes Mariota, and then you sit back. It's like, oh, why? What? Because he ran in a touchdown late in the season two years ago, or something. Why do we like him so much again? Like, He's at least had some success, which I guess you could make the same yeah. case for Trubisky. Where it's not like Jacoby Brissett last year in Miami was unplayable. Mm-hmm. That's where you got to draw the line if a guy is actually unplayable. And, play. and I really like Jacoby Brissett, but he was unplayable. It's funny with the Jacoby Brissett thing and Baker's going to hand and Baker's like, F the Browns. He's, oh, week one. He's going, it's like, all right, but this is not, it'd be better if it was Watson against Baker, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's Brissett's like, what oh, the hell yeah. did I do? <laughs> I do um, think. Be, what we what have, about like surrounding them with talent though? Like, these, yeah. this, this is not, Drake London's like already banged up. But who yeah, are the I don't receivers? like that part. Brian, well, they have Pitts, Patterson. Yeah, well, Pitts is a tight end, but uh, yeah, Patterson. I just a uh, receiver. You know, with the with the big suspension, I don't know uh, with the Ridley suspension. I don't see them. It could be a team that just doesn't score a lot. So, who do you think has the worst offense in the league? I would say the Bears and the Falcons. Yeah. If they don't get their receiver situation together, might be up there too. Yeah, well, we haven't gotten to Seattle. That could be pretty. Mm. Bad. So we're both going. I'm going. I'm going over. I'll go like, slightly over. I'm going over. five because they're they're. Extras are easy. 
ish. You know, I'll tell you this: Chicago, anyone with Chicago on their schedule, I'm giving a a, a shot at having that over. I wouldn't bet that one. Hmm. New Orleans, I think, is a fun one. All right, NFC West. Let's start with San Francisco, even though they don't have the best odds. Can I just say something about the NFC West? I was proud of this. The ca- the NFC East over under wins is like 36. The NFC West, I think if you add them up, is uh, 34. And now oh, I know wow, it's you a, passed them. I know it's a product because they play each other and everything. But this used to be, at last year, this was the division. You had to bet, th- the teams all had to have 10 wins or more for the overs to hit, right? Yeah. Now it might be like the third best of it, fourth best division. I don't like Arizona. I don't like any of these teams. Well, what if Lance is a stinker this year? Yeah. Well, they I don't know how to process the bit. Jimmy. How did you process the Jimmy I G I think it's extension? a combination of both. Like people get mad if you say, oh, they didn't trust Lance. Like there is a little of that. There's got to be a little yeah. of that, right? Because it was enough money to think about not cutting him, right? So I think it's right there in the middle and they have a good backup now, right? They have, do they have the best backup? I don't like it. I would have waved them. Really? I think you got to give the, the dude the car keys. If he's the QB, you got to give him the car keys, get the other guy out of the car. I think we could say we're wrong on, on a few things. Does your wife four- second guess uh, when you drive? Yeah. Well, She's like, so, so uh, oh, yeah. no, dude, yeah, uh, you're tailgating this guy. Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. That's like what, what it's like to have Jimmy G in the car. Yeah. I just like driving more and right, my wife's not you, in the car as much as I love my wife. Yeah, but I you just eventually, don't like when she's in the passenger seat. Eventually get to Disneyland Right? You get a fender bender along the way, but I, I don't know what to think about Jimmy G. He was 10 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl and that one overthrow. And then even last year, like Cooper Cup had, and I'll say this about the yeah. Rams, he had to be every bit of ama- as amazing as he was for the Rams to go as far as they did, right? Well, remember the Niners? Well, I remember it because that was my huge bet. But the Niners had the ball and it was like, yeah. if they just had a drive in the third quarter, the game was over. So he was one for six in that last yeah. drive. He's bad. So but he's also hurt. He had yeah. like a, what do you have, like a right. broken shoulder? Yes, but um, but still healthy. He can get you to the Super Bowl and get you a couple plays away from the Super Bowl and get you a couple plays away from winning it. I don't know if I'm out on him. And same with Shanahan. We will change our minds about Shanahan 16 times this year. 480 Kyle? 480 winning yeah. percentage? 475? Is, he, is that what it is? Something I have like him that. at 43 and 44. <laughs> oh, 490? He might have snuck up there. Hmm. Yeah. I would like this uh, this over-under and their odds more if Jimmy G was the QB because mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm getting with Lance. And there, somebody did a great breakdown of him. Of Lance? About some of the throws. Maybe it was on the Amazon, maybe that, like the Amazon pregame show. Fitzpatrick, that's who did it. Mm. And he did this breakdown of all these throws that Lance didn't make that Jimmy J made mm. last year. I think that's who he it was. He chucks it into the turf a lot. It's not, it's not pleasant to look yeah. at. Um, well, I still like their over because they have an incredible amount of talent. Well, and look at those first two, like at Chicago and Seattle. Yeah. I think those are wins right away. Yeah, 10 and 7. That's Shan- what I The Han- Shanahan thing. I don't love that they play the LA teams three times. Mm-hmm. They play KC in Vegas. You know, they're going against the AFC West. Right. They are going against the NFC South, which could be bad if New Orleans doesn't show up the way we thought we possibly think mm-hmm. they're going to show up. Their added games are Miami, Washington, and at Chicago. All winnable. They play Arizona in Mexico City. I think, well, we're going to get to Arizona in a second. I think Arizona and Seattle are probably, I mean, that could be a 4-0. and Yeah. And then if you're that 4-0 agree. against those teams, you just need to do 7-6 and six the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Or 6-7 and seven, and you cover that. To get to 10, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Plus 170 for them. And then the Rams... I have them slightly better in winning the division. Me too. So we yeah. see a lot of this stuff the same way. Yeah, so um, this is bad for these Always teams. bad for 
the rest of America. The over-under for the Rams is 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going under on this. The division, they're plus 125. Oh, you go 10. You have them with 10 wins. So I think they get to 11. You do? I'm yeah. going under. So who they wins make the me division? nervous. I have the Niners winning the division. Oh, so yeah. both at 10. All right. I think the Niners can go higher than 10. I'm just saying I know they can get to at least mm-hmm. 10, but I think they could get to 11 at 6, 12, and 5. Right. The Rams... Last year, we're 12 and 5. The crazy thing about this team is that they're not favored in the Buffalo game in week one, which we'll do when we do guest lines on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But um, I just can't believe they're not favored. I don't get it. I don't understand they it. They were close to, I'm, I think, look, I, I see some of these lines. I'm admitted. Like, we could throw week one out. We could throw the Super Bowl out. We, we kind of yeah. see those lines. But uh, the, the, it's the elbow, though, isn't it? Because it was basically a pick until this elbow news came out down for Stafford. Yeah. They still have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Cooper yeah. Cup. Well, the thing they still is, have three of the best but 20 all you do of is, the league. All you do is look at the over-under wins, right? So the Rams are 10 and a half. That's how you could cheat. And the Buffalo's 11 and a half. So. Yeah, I guess. I, I think they go 10 and 7 or 11 mm-hmm. and 6. I don't think there's going to be the necessity... Like you, like you're gonna have in the AFC, where in the AFC you're gonna basically have to get to ten and seven to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There's five, maybe six NFC teams that have a chance to be in double figures. True. And if Stat, they'll do the thing. If Stafford's hurt, they'll rest them a week. And I, I just don't think they're gonna have the pedal to the metal the whole season. Maybe not. They San Antonio Spurs it. Oh, look, I did it. I brought up basketball. Why did I do that? Thanks for doing that. I don't yeah, know I why they're engaged. You know. Well, how are they able to get the best defense, defensive player in the free agency every year? Every single year. Like Bobby Wagner. It's like, you might say he's old, like third leading tackler in 2021. He's going to make an immediate impact on that yeah. team. 10 and 7, 11 and 6. I wouldn't bet that one either way. I would bet Arizona. This is one of my locks. Arizona, 8.5. I don't understand this one at all. What a disaster. They were 11 season. and 6 last year. So I guess you could say, well, yeah. it's hard to go three wins less, but mm-hmm. no Hopkins for six games. Right. I, what are your favorite Hollywood Brown games? They blow up the first round pick to get Marquise Brown. Yeah. Right. What are your favorite Hollywood I Brown moments? I mean, he'll blame it on Lamar or whoever is quarterback there. But no, I don't think that makes a difference. They lose Kirk, which is whatever. They lose Chandler Jones, Chase Edmonds, Jordan Hicks, Jordan Phillips. A big, big chunk of this team is gone. They extend Kyler and embarrass the shit out of him with a homework assignment. They've cratered in the second half of the last two years. Mm-hmm. That makes me nervous. Yeah, that's the thing. We kind of know this team, right? We're not going to get excited again if they're eight and two. They're playing the AFC West, and they won't be. Is that who they're playing? Yeah, yeah. they got they got all of those teams. I feel like Chiefs they can go zero and four. Some Raiders off the bat. That could be an zero and four mm-hmm. for them. And then the no Hopkins for six games is a real thing, where yeah. they go Kansas City, Las Vegas, Rams, Carolina, Philly, Seattle, mm-hmm. and Seattle's at Seattle. They're the, doing stupid things too. Like they, so they don't have the first round pick. They draft a tight end, right? Yeah. They already have Zach Ertz and Max Williams, who I think is hurt now. But like, what are they doing? You you have so many spots to fill here. I think it was a horribly put together thing. And um, I don't trust Kyler at all. And I can't unsee that playoff game. How awful oh, yeah. that was. Yeah, that was bad. Jalen Hurts, I've been able to unsee his playoff game against Tampa. The, but the stink of that Cardinals game. It feels like it's still going on. Still with us. Let me give you um, six wins or less for them. 
Yeah. Plus like 245 that. on FanDuel. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty tasty. Six and 11? Here's the thing. Because you could bet against that as as we go near the end when they're at Denver, Tampa, at Atlanta, at San Francisco. Do you think they beat Seattle twice, though? Because then they only need four the rest of the way. I'm ashamed to admit I like Seattle a tiny bit more than some others. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Seattle's over under is five and a half. I'm four and 13. They were seven and 10 last year. Here's the thing. Why didn't he quit? What's he doing? Carol? Yeah, this team's not making the playoffs in the Carol or Belichick? <laughs> Both of them. They should have Does Carol have his kids them, working on the coaching staff now, or is that just my coach? <laughs> it's just yours. No mullets to show off. <laughs> <laughs> Two of the three sack leaders are gone from last year. They trade Russ, obviously, for Drew Locke and Fant, who's now career's done <laughs> with Seattle. They have Shelby Harris. They lose Bobby Wagner. Yeah. I don't know. What's the like here? I know they play the Giants and Jets. That's it. Two good receivers, good running back. And like, what are the odds? They're the most traveled team this year. They go to Munich. What's that Denver line going to end up? Oh, we got, I guess we got to save it for against the lines, but yeah. don't you think that Monday night, everybody's betting Russ? Everybody. Oh, Russ isn't, oh, yeah. isn't going to lose. It's on everyone's in, teaser. He's not going to lose in Seattle. Right, right. Oh, right. I parlayed them with the, with the Broncos. There's yeah. no way Russ is losing his comeback game. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, all right, we're back in Seattle. 17 to 3 Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people didn't see this coming. That first Monday night game is always fucked up. It is. Always. Well, they're usually two of them. So yeah. The and late, one of them the is always fucked is, up. Yeah, right. I'm yeah. with you. And again, like we talked about, Denver going to Seattle, huge home field advantage for Seattle. Denver going to the Chargers, not the same, right? right. Better, much better team, but not, not even the same ballpark. Literally not the same ballpark. I, I could just see like Dixon. Dixon just pinning the Broncos in their own end a couple of times. Our Dixon? Little cry. <laughs> no, James <laughs> Baby Ball Dixon. <laughs> I'm going slight over. I wouldn't bet it. All right. I'm going under. Okay. So for my locks, I have. Do you have any that were, you had two wins more than the over under? Or- yeah. Cincinnati, I think. I think Cincinnati has a chance to go like 12 and five. Mm-hmm. So I've sent my locks are Cincy nine and a half, Kansas City 10 and a half. New England under eight and a half. Right. Philly over and Minnesota over at nine and a half. And Arizona under eight and a half. Those are my favorite six. Okay. And I I, I was going to put you Vegas have under Browns, eight and a half. You have the Browns under? Yeah, no. I mean, that I, could I, be like a five, six. Browns eight, under. They could really fall apart. Though. I'll add that. So that's and seven. I like, I like the Ravens over. I know you don't like it as much. That yeah, I'm staying away from stinks. that. Uh, and I'm going Raiders way over. I have as playoff locks, Buffalo, Cincy, Indy, KC, mm-hmm. uh, and Indy, whatever. Somebody's going to win that division. KC, Chargers, Ravens, those six. Right. And then I really want to figure out my seventh team before next Thursday. Right now, it'd be Denver. But uh, you, take a few weeks. Don't, you, know, you don't have to do it by Thursday. NFC, Philly, Minnesota, Tampa, San Francisco, Green Bay, and I think New Orleans is six. Mm. And then that seventh team is going to be weird. And it, it might be so like So wait, the who Lions. do we have different there? Philly? You have Minnesota, Tampa Oh, Bay. I don't have the Rams in there. That's a yeah, mistake. Yeah, so the Rams. Yeah, okay. Right. So New Orleans will be my seventh team in that division then. Figure it out. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to do Guess the Lines week one. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience 
to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, it's time, Sal. Guest Alliance, <laughs> week <laughs> you one. so miserable. We haven't lost even a dollar yet. I'm miserable because I feel like you beat me in week one. I oh, hate I getting, I, I hate getting off. But isn't that it? I always beat you in week start. one, and then you. you yeah, then I, I kind of let like, you have week one. Guys, Kyle, we gotta cheat somehow, <laughs> and then you win. <laughs> no, how it goes. I've never cheated in guest alliance. <laughs> You've just accused me every year of cheating. It's <laughs> an unbelievable. I line. won last All year right. too, right? Haven't I won for like five straight win, years? Uh, no, how, yeah, it's been like no. Five. We've done this. How many years of this is this? Thirteen, fourteen, sixteenth season. What? Yeah, two thousand seven. Oh my god. Yeah, you've won probably, you're probably 14, uh, you're probably 13 and two. We've done every, no, it's, I'm probably like really? 10 and five, 11 and four. I feel four. like I've never beaten you because of all the cheating, but yeah, whatever you think. <laughs> well, I learned from my coach. <laughs> That's right. We've done every week except for the four weeks when the ringer hadn't started yet, when I was still under contract at ESPN. Oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed to work. So right. for 16 seasons, we've been here, I don't know, what's that, at least 300 podcasts. Wow. So we guess the lines. That's a lot. People know the drill by now. I send my guesses to you. You send your guesses to mm-hmm. me. Whoever gets closest wins. And uh, we have a Thursday night game. We do. A good one. This is a banger. Rams-Bills. This is about as good they of a really Thursday know. night as we've had. Mm-hmm. The Thursday night history. Now, this might be one of those things where you've looked this up. And my memory of this might be totally off. But it feels like it's not that advantageous for the home team. It, it was for a while, right? I think the last few years it hasn't been. It's right? flipped, so the, right? The Bucks won. They shouldn't have covered. They didn't yeah. cover against the Cowboys. So right. Winning a cover on Thursday night, the favorite. And I think your Patriots screwed that up when they yes. lost to the Chiefs, right? Yeah, we would, or we would win but not cover. We would right. be favored by six and a half and win by three. All right, but this is a small number, so it shouldn't cover. Yeah, so I guess shouldn't matter. I just thought Rams by three. Of course, they'll be favored. They're mm-hmm. home. They're getting their rings, the whole thing. But that was not what how it played out. No. So uh, you said Rams by three. I said Bills by one. I, here's the extent of my cheating. I look at the over-unders, and I see who's expected to win more games, and I'll typically make the higher number of the favorite, right? So, yeah. Uh, and then that doesn't really work after week one. So, uh, And it's plus two and a half. Bills are favored by two and a half. I can't That's believe so that. I can't believe it. You can't believe you lost the first game? Well, I, I made the case when we did the uh, AFC over-unders mm-hmm. that I actually think the Bills are overvalued. Mm-hmm. I I just think they're getting a lot of hype based off how good they looked in the Pats playoff game yeah, and that awesome Chiefs back and forth game where the Chiefs defense caved two weeks in a row right. in the playoffs. And by the way, the Bills lost the game. Mm-hmm. They had 13 seconds to go to the next round and they blew it. And they finished 11-6 and six for the year. And now people are treating them like they're the 2007 Pats. I don't get it. I don't know what to say. I do. I, I don't want to crap on either of these teams, really, because I'm both winning their divisions, obviously. I have the Bills winning 13 games. I think that offense might be too much for the Rams. Is this the year they figure out Cooper Cup? Like, hmm. 
I mean, he, he wasn't always a great receiver, right? He had three touchdowns two years ago and then 16. So eventually, they're not going to be, we talked about it in the uh, Over Under podcast, he had every ounce of his greatness was necessary for them to go as far as they did. And uh, well, Did you I go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I was there. Did you go? I, I was there. <laughs> that last drive when yeah. Beckham was long gone and, and it was clear the Rams, it's yeah. like, all right, it's Cooper bust. He's just going to have to get open every play. I was like watching a high school game where it's like we right. had the one guy in high school. This guy just has to get open. If he can't get open, we're going to lose. And he just got open. And the and the Bengals knew he had to get open, and he was still getting open. Yeah, I know. You, I think the Forty Nine ers game was even more right, like that, right? With just him just doing what he needed to do. I, it doesn't factor into this game. If some one team's going to win by a field goal, doesn't really matter. I love the Rams. You love the. Rams? I think I'm. A, I'm actually might bet that one because I think that it's actually a disrespectful line, and I feel. I hope they feel disrespected. Now you've told me. I tell you who's going to feel disrespected. I feel disrespected because you said you're not betting teasers this year. And A, I don't believe it. And B, I'm not I, betting I think teasers. you should start right here. Take the eight and a half points. I'm not doing teasers this year. The Rams I'm going to do underdog parlays. That's it. Oh, come on. That's, that's it. Straight up bets. No. All the What's smart better bettors than over lose, and over again. They're just losing like, on a good ups. quarterback. That's what you got to do. All the smart bettors just laugh and scoff at teasers. I they know think they it's do. like hilarious that we do them. We're, and we're the easy marks. And it's of right. course you do teasers. You guys suck. Is hey, basically the, listen, we're doing something case. right. This is our 37th year. What'd you say? <laughs> right. How many? Since 1974. Okay, good. This is our 39th year. Yeah. 49th year. You know, it's my dad's 50th year as Celtic season ticket holder. Is that right? Yeah. Do they it's send them a, some, I feel like they have to have them bring out the ball before a game, Yeah, right? of course. 50 years? Wow. $4 a ticket his first year? Come on, Celtics. That's pretty good. Well, they need a point guard. <laughs> We got Malcolm uh, Brogdon. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Sunday marquee. Mm -hmm. I have Packers Vikings for this one. I yeah, think this not? is the I, most I like fun Sunday night game. Yeah, there's like, a lot of yeah. good games. Packers at the Vikings. I mm -hmm. think the Packers will be favored because people overvalue the Packers. Mm -hmm. I already love the Vikings. I don't even know what the line is. I guess Packers minus one and a half. I had Packers minus two. I think they're up to two and a half now. Yes, they two are. and a half. All right, so we have two. One. So we say this every year, Sal. Yeah. The underdogs in the first three to four weeks of the year, every year, like first three weeks, it'll be, I don't know, 29, 15 and one mm -hmm. shit like that. Right. So right, right. it'll be completely skewed against yeah. the spread for the underdogs. And every year we just say, why don't we just bet every underdog mm -hmm. and then maybe switch three that you really love if you love the favorite. But for the most part, just go chalk with the underdogs. Yeah. We have two underdogs come out of the gate and both of them are two good home teams, the Rams and the Vikings. And do you feel like, with this, I'm going to say the same about your Dolphins, Patriots. Yeah. The, the Vikings could really blow the division here. Yeah. I think it's kind of, I, I'm with I don't you. Say it's over, but this way is bigger a game for big, them. Must, must win for Actually, the new coach and everything. If you go through the biggest games, I think for a team this week are the Vikings and the Dolphins, where it's kind of mm -hmm. like they have to, even though it's week one, they kind of have to win. Yeah. Because if it'll kind of tell them what kind of team they have. He better load up on some ayahuasca, that Kirk Cousins. I don't know. I don't know if they have it in them, but this mm. is a, this is a fun game. I mean, that's a Darius Smith switchover we talked about in the uh, over-under podcast. This is good. I see you teasing the Rams <laughs> with the Packers to plus three and a half. Uh, I could see maybe. you doing that. Boy, we don't have any big numbers. We uh, don't. Well, that's the great thing about week one. The numbers are as so. low. Yeah. I have five watchable games. We'll start with Bengals-Steelers. It's in Cincinnati. This is the first one I put in the Vegas zone. I have the Bengals minus four and a half. We made the case or at least I made the case when we did AFC over-unders. Mm -hmm. 
I'm all in on the Bengals. I'm going to ride them early because I think the Lions, at least for the first couple weeks, are going to be a little low. I like them as a playoff team. I don't want to say they were full of shit, but I think they got further than they probably should have yeah. on paper. Um, but I still have them as a playoff team. Uh, I don't believe in the Steelers team too much. I have the minus five. It's six and a half. So I get that one. Wow. I am on Boy, fire. Boy, that looks here. like a good tease. I might break Cincinnati my tease. Home. Yeah. Minus six and a half. <laughs> wow, that lasted long. We got a time on that. Wow, that is a tasty tease. <laughs> Jesus. They are dying That's to be what happens. It always looks good, right? Yeah. Look, if you like pizza, eat pizza. What the hell is what what do you care what people Realistically, think about? Realistically, how us? many how many days do you think I could get through without teasing? Could I get 30 days without If a you tease? bet college, you wouldn't be able to get through tonight. I don't I don't bet college. All right. Uh week one. You think I'm not Come gonna on. be able to get out of week one with a tease? I think what happens is you have um you're going to like Tennessee and Denver. We're going to have lost money early on. I'm definitely gonna, not teasing Tennessee. Tennessee? All right. Well, There's then no way that's All right, happening. here. Kansas City, Denver will be your first well, teaser. That's possible. That's what you're going to do. I love the Bengals. I'm all in on the Bengals, mm-hmm. and uh, I love them in that Steelers matchup. Next one, watchables. I can't believe this is a watchables. We have the Detroit Lions and the watchables, but I think wow. yeah. Philly at Detroit, this is another one, too. Very hyped teams for different reasons. The Eagles are like the NFC hype train team. Right. The Lions are the hard knocks team. The, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, could they get the seventh seed? The Eagles are definitely going to be favored. I had the Eagles by three. Uh, I had the Eagles by four. It's three and a half. So we split that oh. one. And I think oh. that's, a, that's a little a beautiful, bit of an upset there. That's a maybe beautiful people line. back off all their Eagles hysteria when the Lions and uh, Aiden Hutchinson's putting Hurts into the turf. So we've had four games so far and we have three home underdogs. Right. I'm bringing Michael Conrad in for the let's be careful. <laughs> I like, the, as much as I like this Eagles team, I, I might stay away from this because I like both of the teams. Next one. I can't believe this is watchable, but I think it is just because of the Baker. Eh, is this a watchable or would you put it yeah, in fairly no, watchable? that's fine. Baker against the Browns? Sure. Talking shit? Yeah. Again, I feel bad for Brissette here. What did he do? <laughs> right? Yeah. Baker's calling him out. F you, F this. Yeah. Uh, I know you like Baker and in Carolina here. What'd you have it at? I had Panthers by three at home against the Browns. All right, you're going to get this. I had four and it's two and a half. Hmm. This could be one of the last times the Panthers are favored. They're begging you. this year. Oh, they're begging you to take Carolina. That is like, that two and a half. There might are, not be enough they, offense. That line to, is wearing lingerie. Too much. <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing. McCaffrey is healthy for at least week one. So yeah. you know at least going into that, you're going to get 100% Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. That's true. What am I getting with the Browns? I'm getting Jacoby Brissett and a lot of Nick Chubb runs against eight-man fronts. Right. I like the Panthers. Chiefs-Cardinals is the next one. This was a more fun game on paper than the thought process I had as I started thinking through it. I guess Chiefs three at Arizona. I wish I had gone three and a half. What is it? Yeah, it is three and a half. I yeah. went four and a half, but you're still close enough to okay. win. So you got that. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you're, you're going to have that on a teaser. You're going to, you are. You just are. So I could do Bengals. Bengals. <laughs> it didn't even work. It's so stupid. Well, couldn't, isn't it make more sense to parlay that? Doesn't it make more sense parlay? to parlay the Bengals and the and the uh, Chiefs, just money lines? Why wouldn't I do that? Then I could keep my no teaser rule. That's true. So that would be minus 270 for the Bengals. Plus 106, I think. Plus 106. That sounds great. All right, good. You didn't violate your teaser rule. 
Yeah. This is like eating like eating jerky on Friday and telling your priest like, yeah, I didn't eat good Friday. I'm still good, right? It's not really meat. I, d- I never had a priest. Oh. I I uh, did not do really any NFL futures this year except for the one bet we made, which was Chiefs to make the playoffs. What are you waiting for? You're not going to bet these these player props under? For God's sakes. You know what I'm waiting Three for? Three starting running backs are going to go out before this podcast post. I'm waiting for soccer tournament this weekend. I'm going to be in a hotel room oh. for most of the weekend. And you'll knock them out then. One of those nights, Saturday or Sunday night, mm-hmm. it's going to be a four-hour future binge. That's fun. And I'm going to do a whole bunch of, bunch of them. I'll, I'll be texting. Imagine, right? will we ever talk about our dads like that? This is a parent corner, early parent corner. <laughs> yeah, I was at with my father. We were in like he wanted to go to bed early because yeah. he had to make futures we for four hours. DC. We had kind of seen the monuments, but not really. <laughs> he had to go back to his room to bed on the NFC South. Signing <laughs> Phil Sims was going to go on their passing yards. <laughs> Uh, last watchable, your beloved Chargers going against your beloved Not Raiders. Mine. No, now you love both of those. No, no I you like really the love the Raiders. Oh, I'm a Raiders fan now this year. So I had a lot of trouble with this one because home field. I think Chargers are better, and then mm. it's home field. So it's like it should be Chargers by six, but yeah. they have no home field. There'll be more Raiders fans there. So I, I did Chargers by four. We both got it. Well, we tie. It's three and a half. I mean, how sad is that? You know what we didn't talk about with the Raiders? Um, McDaniels? No, but uh, Basaccia. Basaccia, that was his name, right? Pipos Rich? Yeah. The Packers might have gotten the better end of that. Not that it was a trade, but Devontae Adams goes to the Raiders. Was Basaccia in the trade? He's the spe- he's not, it wasn't in the trade, but he was the spe- he's a special teams coach. Their special teams was horrible last year. Not just against the 49ers. Like That might be their biggest upgrade. And he was fun. He knows what he's doing. All I did all summer was research the NFL, and this was not in my research. Really? That Pitboss Rich was part of Green Bay. Oh, now yeah. I feel like I would have picked them to win the division. Yeah, yeah. Go, go back. The fucking Pitboss, man. <laughs> Chargers minus three and a half at home. Wait, did we do New England, Miami? You, that's not I, don't, a, I have that in a fairly watchable. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think you've watched the Pats this preseason. All right. There's not I, a lot of watchable. It's watchable in that, like, we're, we're, you know, we, we announce one team's not going to make the playoffs every week, right? Afterwards. Right. I wonder who that's going to be. Potentially, if that's a blowout. All right. Fairly watchables. Mm-hmm. Saints at Falcons. Yeah. I put this one in here because I just feel like there's a lot of fantasy guys in this game. Mm-hmm. So I, both you and I will have at least one fantasy guy in this game. In general, Saints-Falcons, those games are usually pretty fun. Which Falcon are you going to have? You're gonna, you have to get Pitts. Well, otherwise, what fantasy Falcon? Patterson could yeah. have him. Have a little Drake London cross your fingers. Hope that he's healthy. He plays. Yeah. I I think this is a classic Saints by three and a half textbook. You're going to get it. I I went much, uh, not much, I went three and it's five and a half. Wait, you're you're crawling back here. Oof. It's five, five. Five and a half. That's a lot of respect for the Jameis Allen, Dennis Allen combo. Or Jameis Winston, Dennis Allen. (laughs) You can learn the names. It's week one. Remember we always talk about QB and coach. Yeah. If you rank each guy one through 10 at their position, and right. if it's like five or less, run. Winston and Allen, you could argue that Allen's probably a two out of 10 as a head coach. Right. Winston's like a four okay. out of 10. All Is right. he below well, average? Maybe. Would you say Jameis Winston's below average as a QB? Starting QB? You better reevaluate your Eagles pick to win the division if this is going to be the uh, process. 
There's so many good quarterbacks now. I yeah. don't think either of them are above average. They are good. They are. Uh, is this the best top 20 quarterbacks we've seen? Because I still think the f- my bottom five or six are as bad as when we grew up. Well, think about this. Here's Rodgers and Mahomes, uh-huh. Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Brady, Wilson. That's seven. Mm-hmm. Stafford, Lamar, Deshaun when he comes back, Carr. That's 11. Prescott, Cousins, Murray. That's 14. Mac Jones, Tannehill, Lawrence, Matt Ryan. That's 18. Winston's not better than any of those guys. Maybe you could say Tannehill. Yeah, he's better. I think he'll be better than Tannehill this year. I think so. But he's in that. Middle he's of definitely pack. below average. Yeah, if, yeah. If the average is 16. So who has the worst? We did, Didn't this, we do this before? Like singer, actor. Who's the best singer? Is it Jamie Foxx? If you're going to give one to five. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, like, yeah. We'll do this with quarterback, coach. Which is the worst Who's combination? Is it the worst combination? The worst right now. Well, it's probably Rivera and Wentz, right? Wow. How do you get worse wow. than that? Wow, can you imagine that? Wentz almost made the playoffs. Isn't Wentz, he's a bottom five QB? I mean, you could say Lovey Smith and Davis Mills, but you made mm-hmm. the point in the over-under potter. Lovey Smith's a 500 he's coach. He's over. Two it's games over, 180 yeah. games. Maybe it's Kingsbury Mur- Murray. No. <laughs> might, might be saying that. What other bad QBs do we have? Because Tomlin and Pittsburgh, so they're out. Bad well, Seattle, good. I just, it's, it's unfair to say to Carroll. But Carroll's at least like he's been successful What's he going to do with this team? I know. No, I know. You can't you can't put that tag on him. Uh, all right. Three more fairly watchables. Go ahead. Dolphins, Pats. Mm-hmm. So this is the only line I saw, but I saw it at a... a How could that be? This I thought it was going to be you're, minus you're three. You're in sports media, right? This is the only line you saw? Listen. I value like guess the lines. <laughs> I, I literally try to stay away from the lines uh, so I can keep this as fresh as possible. <laughs> you don't do that. And then you no, accuse me of cheating. Yeah, you're right. Meanwhile, right, you're you doing, it. I know, don't think I don't know. You're doing extra points pods where you're like week one lines. Well, I have. I talk about games. No, yeah. we don't do week one lines. Well, but you we, like we favorite stay, I, I yell at people for saying, like, what do you think, Sal? Browns, Panther. Like, I could lose. I signed an NDA. I could have to write a check for $35 million if I look at this line. <laughs> I had Dolphins minus three. What'd you have? I think we both. Oh, no, you get it. Shit. I said three and a half. It's two and a half. It's two and a half right now? Yeah, but right now. Yes, right now. And right now. Yeah, two and a half. I, uh, I wouldn't bet this because I would never bet on Tua. I would, mm-hmm. He would really have to prove it to me, but right. I just, this might be the last time to get the Pats on the road with the home team getting less than three. That's a decent team. There are some strange two and a half. Panthers two and a half yeah. is strange. Dolphins two and a half. This strange. line, if this line was in week five, it could be Dolphins by six and a half. Interesting. I'm just going to flag it. Just quickly in the Pats. We, we try, I tried to not talk about like them New that England much in the owns them though. Like why wouldn't this be three? So you yeah. don't understand how bad the preseason was. Oh, please. This wasn't cares. like, oh, they look bad in the exhibition games. They look bad Every single day, they do not understand the offense. They mm-hmm. got fucking match Patricia calling the plays and coaching the offensive line. Joe they're Judge also not around. showing anything. Two Belichick kids. Of course, kids. they're not showing anything in the in the preseason. It's the, especially the, the, the one great thing that happened was Thornton, who was just lights out the entire preseason. Then he gets right. hurt. He breaks his collarbone. Yeah, you're and, uh, fine. I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even buying into this at all. Yeah. Well, listen, you're nine. It's not two. like I'm like a sky is falling guy. Last year, I thought the Pats were going to make the Super That's Bowl. That's true. That was dumb too. <laughs> Try to call you, talk you down. <laughs> when we were talking about our teams are going to play each other, like, what are the odds? Look it up. But I'm like, your yeah, odds that are zero. <laughs> yeah, my team lost by 50 points in round one, and your team you ran have, out the clock with the ball. How dare you? 
That was not what meant to be. Uh, we had, <laughs> that meant to be because you didn't run a play. You had like a six-week stretch where you gave up like 25 total points. We peaked something. in week 10. Stupid. That Atlanta game that on Atlanta Thursday game, night. Thursday we were, night. We yeah, went to dinner. Right. I was like victory lapping it. What the hell? Yeah. And then it all went to hell. I have Ravens Jets in New York or New Jersey as a mm-hmm. fairly watchable because um, I don't know. I mean, this probably could have been a poop fecta game, but I am excited to see what are we getting with Lamar this year? Because I do think Lamar, mm-hmm. we talked about them a little in the over-under, but it wouldn't be out of the realm if Lamar was fucking awesome this year and the Ravens were awesome. And you'd be like, of course, why didn't we realize this? The injury right. luck last year. And of course, Lamar won the MVP three years ago. Why didn't we see this? Mm-hmm. I'm not ruling it out. I don't think it's going to happen, but I also like, this is the kind of game where if he goes in oh, you think to Jersey week or? one and they yeah. just like light it up and Bateman has two touchdowns right. and... Dobbins looks yeah. good and it's just like, oh, the Ravens, Jesus, where were yeah. we? They had 45 guys hurt last year. Yeah. So they win like 45 to 10. And Dobbins like, averaged like six and a half yards a carry when he was, when he was, uh, before last year when he was hurt. And then Gus Edwards gets hurt. It's just ridiculous what happened to their offense. And they still ended up eight and nine, I think. Um, somebody is going to kick somebody's ass in week one and we're going to overreact. And the candidates are this Ravens game. This is a good call. Mm-hmm. The Vikings just killing the Packers, right? And then, um, and then the Chiefs killing the Cards. I won't overreact to that because I. Well, but I'm, you know I'm what already, I mean. I'm already reacting. Yeah, you're right. Maybe people, that people doesn't count. That. So maybe those were the two. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess Dolphins. If the Dolphins kill the Patriots, that would be an overreaction. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Wait, Ravens. So what did you say? You said I said minus four and a half for the Ravens. That's too low. Uh, it is too low. I said five, and it's six and a half. Yeah, that's stupid. Why didn't I go? I'm not teasing you, Lamar. What am I doing? Six, Lamar, six to six. Lamar, He's I'm off. not teasing you. Stop staring at me like that, <laughs> Lamar. I'm not putting you in a tease, Call Lamar. Me Lamar, stop it. Go to your room. <laughs> this is so weird. I'm not teasing you. <laughs> I know I'm gonna end up teasing you. I know they're gonna do Ravens. Oh, it's gonna fucking happen. Ravens, Denver. God Ravens, damn it, Bengals. Lamar, stop looking at me. <laughs> Uh, we do well on teasers early. We do well. You might say the underdogs cover against the spread. We do well, typically, on teasers early. And then we try to double all our winnings, and it, it goes goes to shit. Do we have any evidence at all that Salah is a good coach? Mm. No, so that was another one I was thinking could be on For the— For first uh, coach yeah, fired? Yeah, yeah, he's got to be top five. Like, he might just stink. Mm-hmm. We certainly didn't see anything last year. All right, last one that's fairly watchable. And I honestly should have put this in the poop fact. I apologize. Titans-Giants. Mm-hmm. It's in Tennessee. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try not to watch any of this. This should be in the poop factor. You know what? I'm moving it. It's not too late. I'm going to move it to the poop factor. We, we can still talk it? about it. No, we can cover it. Okay. I'm going to move it. Right. I, I just don't like seeing it in the fairly okay. watchables because I don't want to watch that game. I have the Titans by six and a half at home against the Giants. I think I got this. Oh, no. I said five. It's five and a half. That's oh, so fair. you won anyway. Yeah, I won that one. Five and a half. Why wouldn't that line be higher than that? I don't think anyone trusts the the offense. But, you know, Derrick Henry, that was a weird over-under last year. It was like 1539 or something. And the year before, he had 2,000. And it was an extra game. It's like, what the hell? Why isn't this? And then he was well on his way to crushing it. But the truth is, he was at the season, he was at the league average in yards per carry. So he might kind of already be on his way now. I'm certainly not going to have him on a fantasy team. Let me ask you this. Who is this year's they fuck everybody over week after week for five weeks until everybody realizes they're not that good team. Oh, because okay. I think the Titans... A team we think is good that does that. I see. It's not the Titans because I don't think people have a lot of hopes for the Titans, mm-hmm. but 
Like it could be the Rams. It could be the Bucks. Yeah, it could be. There could be a team where just over they're just 0 5 against the spread after five weeks. I think we're down. I think we're not high on enough teams for it to beat us. I think we've kind of been uh, Yeah, we like that. We like the middle class. This we're year. the dog that's been hit with the rolled up newspaper enough time. We just yeah. don't trust the owner anymore. So I think it's a middle class season. Yeah. All these teams in that eight to ten win range are kind of the well, especially that AFC West, where anywhere you look at has a tough six game stretch. Whether it's in the beginning, Chiefs have a tough start, and then Chargers have a tough middle, and like, yeah, well, everyone the Raiders tough start. I'm not betting on that Titans Giants game. Oh, here's a possible tease: G- Niners. God damn it, the Niners. Niners at Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I guess seven and a half is that too low? It's too many six. I had six and I think I got it exactly at six and a half. Oh, man. That's the one. <laughs> I'm definitely teasing the Bengals with the Niners. Well, but it's still Lance against Fields. I know, Would but you the have Bears done it last bad. year? Would you have done it? The only thing that worries me with the Bears is they had like this crazy draft where they mm-hmm. hit on all these dudes on defense, like undrafted dudes right. and fifth rounders. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so they might be a little friskier defensively than I think people realize. So maybe but, this is a team that screws but up. Let me ask you maybe this. the Niners is a team. ZFL that you've been in, the Gus, yeah, Gus Ramsey's Picks it. League. John Oaks is in that league. Mm-hmm. He's had this for 30 years. The how many points are they going to score a game, which I've always joked about. Right. How many points are the Bears going to score against the Niners defense? Like, realistically, 10? I'm with you. 7? How are they going to move the ball? Like, they ba- Fields is going to be running for his life. Yeah. Bosa, Warner, all those guys will chase him down. I think, and like, yeah, we tease. hate their weapons. We hate the Bears' weapons. That could also be a Niners in the under tease. What's the under? They took it off the board. Not enough points. No, 41 and a half. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of high, actually. So you could tease that to 47 and a half and just mm-hmm. tease the Niners. Like, could those two teams <laughs> get the 48 you're not points? Only violating your teaser edict, but you're do- teasing in the same game. <laughs> the important the thing is, I really total. believed I was going to be able to do no teasers <laughs> this true. year. I really did. You're I really, really believed it. I'm proud of you. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> Washington and the Jaguars. In Washington, Ugh. which means nothing because there will be no fans there. This is an apocalyptic game. Wait, what happened? This moved a lot. I had, I guess, Washington by three. Are the Jaguars favored now? Oh, I'm looking. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong week. All right. Uh, you get this. It's three and a half. I said two. I didn't think it would be that high. Jesus. Three and a half. Wait, now I'm getting worried. One, I two, love three. Jacksonville in this. You have seven. I have eight. How it's fun left? to see you cheat in real time, right, right in front of me versus unseen. Writing things down. Seven, eight to seven, two left, right? The night games? Three uh, three left. We have Colts, Texans, oh, Colts, Cowboys, Colts, Bucks. Texas. Okay, yeah. Broncos, Seahawks. So do you think there's any world where the Washington team that just lost Robinson for a few weeks, they basically buried Gibson the mm-hmm. whole preseason. Now they're like, hey, sorry about, hey, are you going to be mm-hmm. ready to go these first four? Yeah. Um, I don't like this game. I don't know. This game? I just think that the Jaguars plus three and a half on the road against a team with no home field advantage whatsoever against Wentz, who they just beat yeah. eight months ago. I, I kind of like that one. The uh, Jaguars lost, wasn't that first game to the Texans last year? That's when yeah. we knew it was going to be weird. Yeah. yeah. Colts-Texans is the last one. This is in Houston. So this is yet another home dog. Mm-hmm. I put this in the Vegas zone. Colts by five. I like the Texans. I think you went a little low. I said six. I think it's as high as seven and a half. Wow. Eight and a half. Oh, that's stupid. Eight and a half. I'm, I'm taking. Wait, the something Texans. happened. That went up a, a point since like, oh, this morning. I am all in on Texans. I might. I might bet that. Take it easy. 
You seen Pierce? Pierce was incredible. <laughs> That's the rookie. That's the one. We're oh my go god, about. he's really good. Yeah, I like that team. I'm with the. I, I, I like the Texans in general, but I, why the hell is that eight and a half? That is scary. Sunday night. Yeah, your, your Cowboys. Come on, come on. We have to get treated to them in another night game. I'm just another year. It's not the Giants again. Another year of Mike McCarthy staring, trying uh, to catch flies with his mouth as he stares confused uh, to the sidelines. It's so funny that you've just never had a good coach other than when Parcell showed up. For Why like does that years. happen? Yeah. You grew up with Tom Landry, and then after that, it was, it was in G- in Jimmy. Yeah. And then for the last 30 years, starting with And Switzerland. Garrett keeps failing upward somehow. He's calling Notre Dame games. Like, <laughs> with, what, what the fuck goes son? on? Yeah. Was many... Collinsworth's son. How does he keep landing jobs? <laughs> this is a good sign for my son down the road. I think Can so. I just get my son announcing jobs? Yeah, we need a graduates? good sign for your son. Figure yeah. out how that goes. <laughs> um, I have the Cowboys favored by one over the Bucks. No, the Bucks are favored. The Bucks are supposed to win 100 games this year. Bucks, for, Bucks by one and a half. I had three, so I get it. You did get that. Bucks are favored. So you won the week. Yeah, that's good. So the Cowboys are another home dog. I may have to walk away with a week one win. That's got to be. I'm going to be like Tom Brady, retire after week one, guess the lines. So Tom Brady just disappeared for 10 days. Mm -hmm. Half of his offensive line got hurt. Right. There's a page six article today that him and his wife no longer live in the same house. He's 45 years old. Mm -hmm. And everybody looked at this and said, you know who should be favored in Mm -hmm. Sunday night? The Bucks. But... Let me ask you something. How much better would you perform if you and your wife didn't live in the same house? <laughs> well, uh, what, where do I sign? Be, I mean, I love her to death, but better. really, we, we, we'd thrive <laughs> work-wise. We're going to get in trouble here. Thank God she doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah, there's no way she listened. <laughs> no, this is His fair. only possibility is your mom listening and then mentioning it to oh, her, that's that, true. which is a total move That's going to happen. Do. Shit. Or putting it on her All Facebook right. even Kyle, worse. Uh, don't cut it out, but put it on a loop. Uh, no, it'd be a Facebook post. <laughs> I was right. listening to Sal's podcast today with Bill, oh, and he said he's better off worst. not living with Melissa. And I just want to say, <laughs> I think Melissa's great. <laughs> I got a hacker. And then she would put it, like three pictures of the two of you yeah, together. Collages yeah. all over the place. Yeah. The right. thing you really need to do is just mm-hmm. take down your mom's Facebook. How could I do it? You just need to, you go to her house. Mm-hmm. She goes to the bathroom or whatever. You say, hey, can I use my computer, your computer to send an email? Yeah. Change your password, leave. And then when she can't get in, just say, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I have to do it because I you get have like to do every it. three hours, I get like some Facebook post forwarded to me from her, like about how if I go on an all Brussels sprouts diet, I'll add three years to my life or something. I got to get, I got to get rid you of it. You have to get rid of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's my advice. All right. Monday night. We talked about this a little in the NFC over-under. No, I, I, I think I always complain that there's two games. Now I wish there were two games on Monday. This I was like devastated stinks. that we didn't have two yeah, games. Why don't we have two games? I think they figured out they can't get a broadcasting crew there. It's just, we, we just, there's no way to do it. We it tried everything. Too many bad number yeah. two broadcasting We crews. tried it. Sorry. <laughs> we can't just, Jesus. Just, we have to ditch the game rather than teach So is this going to be Buck and, Buck and Aikman, right? It is. So this would be the first time we've just Pretty had cool. an awesome Monday night crew and that's it on Monday night. Yeah. Versus like Berman calling it with Paul McGuire. They're going to look at each other in the second quarter early and be like, did we leave Fox for, for Seattle? <laughs> for, the for night Gino game Smith? with Seattle, Geno Smith and a banged up Kenneth Walker? I bet Bronco, I, I picked uh, Broncos minus four. I said five. I think it's up to six and a half. It is. Yeah. Wow. I like the Seahawks. That was a good shellacking by me. Congrats. 
Thank you, buddy. I always let you win week one. So you kind of do. 10 to 7. All right, so to recap, here are our home underdogs in round one. Mm -hmm. Rams plus two and a half. Vikings plus two and a half. Lions plus three and a half. Cards plus three and a half. Falcons plus five and a half. Mm-hmm. Jets plus six and a half, Bears plus six and a half, Texans plus eight and a half, Cowboys plus one and a half, Seahawks plus six and a half. That is six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine. They did a good job. Ten home dogs. Right. That's not going to end well, I'm telling you, for the favorites. Well, but some we're going to stay away from. Like Bill's no, Rams. I mean, Bill's Rams are going to have that money on it because it's Thursday night. But Can you ever remember a year after four weeks where the favorites were like 35 I'm find and 25 for you? I think I'm, it's never anyway, happened. I think it's gotten a little tighter, but I think you're right. We're good. I don't see it. I don't care. I'm gloating. I won week one. Just be shit. really careful out there. All right, before we go, we, we got to do parent corner. We got to change parent corner to family corner. I don't know. We can't really talk about our older kids I anymore. Know. Well, or like I will I tell said, you this: the parent corner we could do about our kids at the age they're at now it would be mm-hmm. amazing. But I actually think my daughter would like kill me in her sleep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's rough. It would be a like. Uh, we multiple times where my daughter and I have not talked. We'll for got two let days. it fly. Let's no, I'm not. Doing, no, I'm not we can always it cut it out. Cut not bringing it. Not yeah. bringing it. No, uh, you go first. What do you got? You have you have the more. I got a couple corners because you, you want to do. You have a little kid. All right, but this one doesn't involve him. But now we're in. Uh, let me just say, high school football is the best. I have two real quick. But yeah. high school football is the best thing ever. Yeah, it is the best, fucking most beautiful thing, ever. Being a parent of a, a high school football player, agreed. You love it now. You now have seen it for two weeks plus practice weeks. It's the it's the most intense fan experience I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Because not only are you rooting for your team, you root for your kids' teams at a whole other level, but then on top of it... You root for your kids' health. You, you're scared for your yeah, kids. survival. Yeah. You don't want them to let the team down. Right. And so there, there's just this... Um, you're walking mm-hmm. this tightrope every play. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, please don't get hurt. Please make a play. Please don't be the one that fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Don't jump it's, off sides. Yeah, don't do this. Just, yeah. It's There's so much. This. Yeah, it, my, my buddy Darren's son is a quarterback. I know you, you're yeah. for that quarter, same kind of thing. It's like, I, I don't even know how he's a college quarterback. I don't know how you do it. And high school is tough enough. And then I'll just tell the story. Like we were up, uh, I talked about how like the Madden, we talk about like when the team is up with a minute left, down with a minute left and driving. And when you get to the five yard line, you got all the plays you need. Yeah. You got 10 plays if you want them there. Don't hurry to the line. And I right. see my son yelling, slow it down, slow it down. This is like a 45-42 game. Like this scoring back and forth. There's a minute six left. So you and feel th- proud because you, I am you a little feel like because he watched yeah. so, much, so much football with you, he actually learned what to right. do. Right. But then the, the other side is, oh my God, he's smarter than the coach already. That sucks. <laughs> I don't like that. But anyway, so they score with a minute left. And then the other team scores with 30 seconds left and they end up losing like 52-48. And he plays both ways. And a good thing, he gets home like an hour later. He's like, I don't even know if, where my phone is. I think I lost my phone. You know, like when they're in the yeah. fog and they don't care. And he's like, I can't believe how I play. I mean, he played well. I really think he played well. But he's like down on himself. And now in this day and age, you get the plays like an hour later. They must have some students. Oh, like, yeah, we get yeah, that. Putting them together. Yeah. So I'm watching the plays from 1130 at night to one in the morning. Yeah. Three times each play. Are you grading them like pro football? We kind of are. Like we kind of look like okay. Here's what you did. I, I have limited knowledge of the offensive yeah. uh, tackle position, you know. And but like we'd watch it twice and then once for the result of the play. But I was like, wow, what a monster I've created. This is this is the worst thing in the world, but it's also beautiful. It's like, and I know you have stories about your son. Just well, this touchdown. is your last year, though. This is it, senior year. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's incredibly intense. Yeah, my you have son, three more left after. I know. Oh. Yeah, my son made the varsity and he yeah. played. He started like getting reps. There's mm-hmm. somebody, somebody who's hurt who's coming back. Who I think might come back this week, but it's going to be you know limited for at least a couple more weeks. But and he was just playing, and he's like, "Dad, I, first I went from I hope I made the varsity." He's like, "Dad, I think I'm going to play." Freshman. So then, yeah, and well, he's big. He's like you know. He's, yeah, he's I know, big but not a lot of freshmen. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's like a team edict. A lot of freshmen don't make varsity. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's 14, and right. I wouldn't call him you know 14 year olds. They're dumbasses. Okay. So you football, there's a million plays and a million ways for things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. So anyway, first game, he caught a touchdown in the first half and he made another big catch in the fourth quarter. And at halftime in this game, we're up, we're up six, but we've gotten three turnovers. And I'm saying, my wife knows nothing. Like she doesn't understand anything about football. So I'm explaining her and I'm like, this is bad. And she's like, why is this bad? We're Mm -hmm. winning. And I'm like, we're on the road. This team got three turnovers or committed three turnovers and we're, we should be up 20. Right. And if I, if Sal was here, Sal and I would be on some weird gambling <laughs> site right now, betting on the home team because right. we're going to blow this. So anyway, go down second half. My son made a really important catch on the sideline to keep this drive going. We get to the 10, we run it in with six minutes left, flag in the play. Ugh. We would have two scores, game over. Right. Next play, pick. Yeah. They come down, they score. We had the ball two minutes left. We get to like the 30. It was the same thing where we, we, we did the- That's uh, the best. This we is did, the best. Did the ball where you, you uh, intentionally throw Run. it down to yeah. stop the clock, but we really should run a play. 45-yard field goal, just left, we lose. 45, you're attempting 45-yard field goal. We have a really goal. good kicker. Wow. Um, so we lose heartbreaker at the end, and my wife was the most devastated I've ever, yeah. ever seen after Well, that's event. a good thing about She cried wives. when he caught the touchdown, because he was like, he's our little baby, it's he's amazing. 14. Yeah. Um, so then the next week, he had the, uh, the false start inside the five. Mm one of those that knocked us back to the 10. We ended up like mm. having to kick the field goal. And then he had, he screwed up one other play, ride home. He was so upset, just uh. silence for a half hour. So we had, we had both gamuts. We had the I scored a touchdown game right. in week one. And then we had the, those Does he have to watch tape on Saturday? Oh yeah. yeah. He got murdered. With the right, yeah. I know. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like the emotion never ends. Like, all right, now I got to go in and get yelled at a coach by, by coach. Yeah, he did. Why'd we do this to our kids? It was this red zone play inside the five. He was the outside receiver and he was supposed to bring his guy to the back of the end zone. And mm-hmm. the play was supposed to go to, to our best guy next to him. And he didn't bring his guy over in time. So his guy hopped off and picked the pass. Oh. And it, I was watching. I'm like, I don't really feel like this is his fault. And, we, and he was like, it was my fault. It's it was. a freshman. You don't know football. It was. And uh. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so you didn't fucking play football. So then the next day we go I in. I think he's right. You don't know football. I was well, 10 and 7 this he, week. Clearly after I got killed. Yeah. So he goes in the next day and they do the play in slow-mo. They're like, this is your fault. <laughs> it's like, I was completely wrong. He totally fucked it up. Yeah. But yeah, it's intense, man. It's it's. He had a play when he got just tackled by two kids, but the, I could see the safety coming over. Mm-hmm. And you just have that Baltimore-Pittsburgh 2009 in your right. head where you're like, please don't. Yeah. You know, so I guess this is what it's like the next it's four good. years. Oh, you're going to love it. And your wife is going to love it too. Like mine became a football wife. She, she has to miss oh, this, yeah. this week's game because she's away. She's like, I'm really bummed out that I have to miss this game. It's like the highlight of my week. It's the best. It's the you know best. what's interesting? The uh, coming in as the freshman with the seniors is the other piece because part mm-hmm. of the high school is you're like on the total bottom of the totem pole. Mm-hmm. But at least if you're playing football, and these seniors, they're all cool, right? So if they kind of take you under your wing at least a little bit, like you can't even buy that experience on eBay. Right. 
These kids yeah. are like driving to practice. Although They're Ben, like ben will try to buy that experience. <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone could buy it on eBay, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a great time. Yeah. But now the homework's starting, so who knows? You know, oh, comes no, home at seven o'clock and he does four hours of homework and he's like, this sucks. No, I'll let the seniors do that for him. Yeah. But listen, we've come a long way from the kid who is wrestling a sofa cushion in our living room yeah. for four years. Well, I think he'll go back to that eventually. Maybe. But this is a nice little four. Would you break. recommend wrestling or no? Because they're, they're trying wrestling. to get him to do it. I think it. it's great. I think, uh, you know, you don't want, if you, you feel like a dick sending your kid to military school, like this is the next best thing. You get discipline, you learn how to lose weight. Look at me. I'm a picture <laughs> of health. But uh, no, I, I, uh, I loved it. But wrestling's great. Uh, the only problem is he's going to have to play with his weight probably, right? I mean, he'll go in. What does he weigh now? He's like about 160 right now. He could wrestle he can't like keep on 138 the weight. or 145. That's like the very He could get to season. like one, what's yeah. 150. Could he get to? Yeah, him? I think so. Yeah, I mean, they change the weight classes out here. Isn't it funny though? Like, I don't feel like in 2013, 14 range, it would have been inconceivable, I think, at least for me, to let my son play football. Yeah, what I happened? I just wouldn't have done it. That, that, that uh, that concussion movie, it's been it's made its rounds well, enough that we don't care. One of the things, if you see the helmets they have now are incredible. Yeah. Like I, they do, they, they are better. I do feel like there's safer things happening. Mm-hmm. And also, like I feel like a lot of these sports are unsafe. Like that, trust me, the soccer. I think like I oh, girls it. soccer. It's like girls soccer is a mess. Yeah, there's so many concussions and you know broken bones and crazy. The, the things counter that to that is the football players tend to do have more violent tendencies with the CTE. I'm not going to pretend to yeah, be an expert yeah, yeah. here, but, no, I think, but I think the it's thing tough. is, I think they have a different disposition going into it as football players versus soccer. So It's a certain type of kid that. that wants to do it. There's right. there's a certain recklessness and a fearlessness that I certainly didn't have. Right. I didn't want to get hit. Yeah. And yeah. my son's like excited to, mm-hmm. like when they put the pads on, he's like, dad, we're going to do tackle today. Yeah. We might do the Oklahoma drill. And he was like excited about it. I would have been mm-hmm. shitting my pants. We say this now. Now they're going to murder us in our sleep. <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing to do. Football. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, that's it. Do your plugs. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, against all odds, we're gonna go over uh, Monday. Wait, wait, when is this air? Sunday. This is Sunday night. Oh, yeah. forget it. I don't know. Listen to the Extra Points Podcast Network. ExtraPoints.com. It's all there. All right. Good to see you. Sam. Good job by you. Good job by you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra. My go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now, than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLobeUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you have a good team of skilled, talented people, good things are bound to happen. That's true in sports. It's true in business. It can be true with digital companies or websites, or podcast networks. If you're running a small business, one of the best places to look for those people is LinkedIn Jobs. They have what you need to find and hire qualified professionals you can't find anywhere else. And unlike other job boards, LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of professionals, like more than a billion people, and it makes the whole hiring process intuitive and easy to manage. They're constantly launching new features to help make the hiring process more manageable. They even created a tool to help write job descriptions recently. 
Over 2.5 million small businesses trust LinkedIn when it comes to hiring and over 86% find a qualified candidate within the first day. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Simmons. That's linkedin.com slash Simmons to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so I interviewed Dick Eversaw a few days ago. We're about to run that. Just wanted to give you some context. He is one of the most important television executives we've had in the last 50 years. Started out at ABC, working for Rune Arledge, who was an absolute icon. Wide world of sports, Monday Night Football, all the boxing, super teams, the Olympics. Rune Arledge was basically the guy that shepherded in the modern era of sports television. And then Dick eventually took the torch when he was at NBC, but during the course of that, he also was involved in the creation of Saturday Night Live. He took over Saturday Night Live in 1981 when it was about to um, fall apart. He was did Friday Night Videos and worked with Vince McMahon on Saturday Night Main Event and uh, brought basketball to NBC. He brought he kept football at NBC, lost it, then brought it back for Sunday Night Football. Was involved with really most of the uh, Olympics we've had for the last 50 years and just has story after story after story, which are all in his book, which I highly recommend. But I um, want to talk to him about all that. He also had a real tragedy. He had a plane crash in 2005 that two of his sons were on, Charlie and Teddy. And Teddy was 14 years old and Teddy actually died in the plane crash. So when he references that in the interview, that's what he's discussing. And it's, you know, Dick almost died. He got saved by his son. His son um, pulled him out of the wreckage. His son was really banged up too. And, and Dick was banged up for months and months and months. I mean, he broke he broke his back. He he was, was in really rough shape and was able to rally out of it as he was putting together the Sunday Night Football deal. He's just an incredible guy who had an incredible career and some sadness too that he was able to turn into... Um, into some strength, which is what he wrote about in his book. So when he references that during the interview, that's what he's talking about. But it was an absolute honor to speak to to him after all these years. I was so glad we did it. Here it is, Dick Ebersole. All right, this took a long time. I don't know why it took 15 years to have Dick Ebersole on the podcast, but it did. They even dated back to the Grant Linnaeus pin days. I guess we were more competitors in those days, but he just wrote a book. He's had an incredible career. This book checked a lot of my interest, Dick. You had you had stories about Rune Arledge, Howard Cosell, Eddie Murphy, David Letterman, Johnny Carson, the history of football on television, the Olympics. It was basically like my entire childhood uh, and and adulthood coming to life. But you were you were all over the place. What was the what was the thing you were most excited to talk about in the book? Did you feel like there was something that needed to go out there that you needed to correct or elaborate on? Or was there, was there just that one thing that you were like, I can't wait to get this out there? Well, I think more than anything, I believe in one thing more than anything else, and it's relationships. And I've had a lot of good fortune in my life, but almost all that has stemmed from relationships that I formed from a very young age. Obviously, Rune Arledge's uh, higher as the first Olympic researcher ever as a still a teenager while I was a foreign exchange student in Europe ranks up with lucky, but more than lucky, I turned it into something. I, I kept going to more events in Europe, introducing myself to more and more people. When I came back to the States, uh, they put me in all kinds of roles, Ivy League football back in the day when that meant something. I mean, Yale and Harvard, the 
27, 27 tie or whatever it was. All those things. And I just kept building on them. And having Rune as my teacher, uh, my friend, and somebody like Jim McKay, who was a storyteller, the likes of which we've never seen in television media again. And he was a tough taskmaster. He really taught me how to tell a story as briefly as possible on paper um, so that he could just look down and see a bunch of words and he could go from there. And uh, Kurt Gowdy was much the same way. I used to come up to Boston. I'll never forget. Uh, Nixon resigned. I think it was on a Thursday night. And I had Rune had promised Don Oldmeyer and I that we were going to get these big promotions, which were uh, even in our minds were too much. They were going to be given the two top jobs in the company. And uh, I wrote him a note and told him I didn't think it was really the right thing to do. And I didn't think it was going to happen anyway. And I left those notes for him. And I did not, uh, I did not know when I would hear from him. Mm. And about a month later, I was sitting in the polo lounge in L.A., the Beverly Hills Hotel, with Lorne Michaels and his wife. And Lorne and I were celebrating the fact that we had shaken hands on the fact he was going to come work on this show that I had a blind commitment from NBC. I certainly didn't see myself as a great comedy writer at that stage of my life, nor do I now. But I sure knew he was the guy I wanted to have. As we walked into the polo lounge, he, he sort of nudged me and he said, isn't that your father figure over there? And I looked, sure enough, across the room, believe it or not, Bill, were Rune and his wife and Howard Cosell and his wife. And Lorne nudged me again, go on, go on, go on over there. And I went over. And the welcome that Rune and his wife and Howard and his wife gave me was one of the great feelings of my life because I'd grown up there as a kid, literally a kid. And uh, it was just one more sign that the relationship between Lorne Michaels and Dick Eversall was meant to be. And we well, went and from I, there. And also you that you left on good terms with your old boss. Because I, I thought that was another important lesson from that. That could have been icy, that could have been weird, but I don't know. Over You're and over again, it seems like you handled everything in a way that there was gonna be no hard feelings no matter what happened. That's the most important lesson I can tell anyone about leaving a job. You cannot afford to leave it with bad blood. You just can't. And uh, I wish you had told me, me that in 2015 step. when I left the SPN. You're right. <laughs> um, I could have told you. I was yeah. standing by. Yeah, I should have called you. you. You know, you. there's so many good lessons in the book. I love books like this, um, especially when somebody can write about their career, but also a couple of, couple of like real things they learned along the way. I always get asked, you know, how do I do what you do? Or how do I get into sports media or how do I do this? And, you know, or you have some parent who my son really wants to be a broadcaster. How does he do it? And I'm always like, you just got to work your ass off. And people always seem kind of taken aback. And it seems like a lazy way to give advice, but it's really not. It's like, you have to outwork everyone else. One of the things that was interesting about your book, you're at Yale. You're like, what you finish your sophomore year and you have this chance at ABC and you start yep. working and you basically go to school while also working for ABC and you're a full-time college student or most, most full-time, but you also have a full-time job at ABC in the weekends. You're flying around. 
And you just basically did that for three years because you knew it was going to set you up for down the road. I, I do worry that some people don't realize that sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to you gotta work everybody by 20 hours a week, 10 hours a week. You have to grab every chance you get because you don't know when you're going to get another chance. And the most important uh, other part of that is you have to be there. You got to keep pressing to get through the door. And people say, well, how do you do that? I say you never give up pressing on the door. Uh, and be willing to take on any job, no matter how lowly. And the travel I went through, Bill, was horrendous. I was a student at Yale, and I was doing the Pro Bowlers Tour on Saturdays, leaving New Haven on a Thursday, flying across the country, usually to a bowling event. And then on uh, Saturday late afternoon, flying to wherever the NBA game was the next day, which was usually either Boston, New York, or Philadelphia, or Los Angeles. And uh, some of the relationships I formed then are the most important ones I ever had in my life. That's how I got to know Bill Russell. Yeah. And I adored him. And one of the great honors of my life, and I think Susan feels the same way, is when Bill was starting to feel weak about it a little more than a year ago, he called us up. He was going to come to Springfield and uh, Mohegan Sun. And Bill was going to be honored for you know having been made a member of the hall again for being the first coach who did this and the first coach who did that. He'd gotten in as the as a first player. black player ever and so on. But he came to stay with us. He wasn't feeling all that strange. And he stayed for about two months. And we'd sit out on this porch overlooking our big lawn and just shoot the breeze. And God, we had fun. And remembering the stories. And there are two that I'd love to tell you. I think they may be in the book, but I'd love to tell you. We talked about everything under the sun. And he reminded me of the very first time we met. Chet Forty was this great college player, really small guy, maybe the smallest MVP of the co college basketball season ever. But he was the producer of the ABC games, and he was a character and a half. And he always would put, have uh, Donald Meyer and I had to play him in horse on the garden floor. We'd get our butts clean because Chet was an unbelievable shooter. Um, but at some point, I went up, make a jump shot, and I split my pants. And I sort of was looking around as to what do I do next when Havlicek said, Dick, come here. And I walked over. He said, Bess, back in the locker room. I knew both of them fairly well at the time. Just go back there, and she'll get a needle and thread and sew you up. So I go back there, and she's just finishing sewing me up when Russell turns the corner, walks into his left dressing room, his dressing room, and goes, what the heck are you doing in my dressing room? This is not a stop for some TV guy or something like that. Get out of here. And uh, so I started to walk out just as I got to the doors. The cackle started and I turned around. He was pointing at me and laughing at me. It just put me on. About a year later, I'm living in L.A. I've been fired. I made a habit, I guess, of NBC. I think I was fired three or four times over more than a decade, all for the fact that my track record for producing shows and all kinds of events was not enough to always to keep me in the job. They were always somebody there who was jealous or mad at me or whatever the hell it was. But in any case, I uh, um, decided I had a Porsche in my very first sports car of consequence. And I decided I was going to see if I could drive from the Beverly Hills Hotel the St. Francis Hotel at the top of a hill in downtown San Francisco and see if I could do it under four and a half hours. Lunacy. Left the Beverly Hills Hotel at about 2.30. And I'm roaring 
when I get to the turnoff or the, oh, I forget what the hell it is. I want to say Bakersfield or something like that. Going. And I notice out of the corner of my eye, there's this little car. I can't tell what it is, but it keeps gaining on me. And then I floor it and it keeps coming back and gaining on me. Finally, I notice that I'm starting to see the front part of the car out my window on the side. And the car finally pulls alongside me and this huge face with this tremendous smile. And I can only imagine how loud the cackle is. It's Russell and he's going over 200, 230 miles an hour to pass me. So he signals me, let's pull over. So we pull over on Route 5 and we stand there for about an hour and a half or two hours just shooting the breeze. And that relationship took us to all kinds of different places. My wife is quite uh, an imaginative person. And when my birthday party took place a year later, she had cast this play, Ralph Edwards, This Is Your Life. She'd run in a Broadway theater. So Costas is up there with the big book and some you know, voice will be heard. Usually it's not uh, immediately known who the voice is, but one of them was Russell's. Yeah. Hey, do you remember the time we were going 105? Cackle, cackle, cackle. <laughs> up the California 5, cackle, cackle, cackle. And it was, just, it was an extraordinary night, but Russell sort of set the tone and the rest were all these various people, commissioners, people. And I had the time of my life. And uh, Russ, through the years that followed, we kept up the relationship. And I felt myself so lucky because he was a hero. I mean, he should be such a hero everywhere in our country, not just among African-Americans, but among whites. He expanded so many things in our country and brought rights to so many more people. I'm, I'm uh, still sad that he passed not just from life, but passed without truly getting all the honors he deserved. If it wasn't for this younger generation of NBA stars, starting with Kobe and so many others who really brought honor to him in the last eight, 10 years of his life, I don't think he ever would have gotten the honors that he was due. Yeah, it felt like it shifted for him starting in the late 2000s where, I, you know, part of it was when he disappeared, he disappeared, right? He went to Seattle. Um, he didn't really want a lot of it. He didn't want to um, kind of protect his legacy because he didn't care. And I think so many other people cared that they were the ones that really started pushing him to be out there a little bit more. I also think the finals MVP was great for him. Just seeing him hand the trophy every year to whoever the best guy was, it just felt like so perfect. And it was, and you could just see the look on the, whoever the best player for that year was on the championship team that Russell was giving them the trophy. It just, it really- You're so right. It felt really special, you know? Yep. And I don't know, that's one of my favorite things about the NBA is they really do care about the links to the generations and how the guys from the 50s and 60s led on. Well, I think the number one thing was who was the commissioner? I think Stern was magical. And I think, and Adam is equally magical. They know how to deal with people. And uh, David formed a relationship with Bill. He was incredibly close with Bill, and that yeah. passed on to Adam. Adam took Susie and I on a plane uh, from uh, Boston to uh, Seattle two weeks ago for the funeral, and uh, Adam was w wonderful in speaking. Uh, the person who really was unbelievable, no notes, just from the heart, 
but just beautifully spoken was Barkley. God, it just, mm. I mean, it just blew us away. And so, I mean, I, I'm Charlie and I, my son and I have gotten close through the years to Charles. And uh, when Adam asked me, who did I want to induct me into the Hall of Fame? I guess it's two weeks away now. I said, only one person I can think of is Charles. So I can't wait to see whether Charles treats me kindly or lovingly insults the <laughs> hell out of me for half an hour. What that when you were uh, working your way up at ABC, that was a big New York bar late night. Everybody smoking cigs, having drinks. Yeah. Was there like a pressure that you had to? That was kind of part of the game you had to play back then if you wanted to be around the right people because it was such an old boys network. Could you have succeeded if you didn't kind of dive into that whole world and if you weren't around those rooms, especially as it got later and later at night? All I can tell you is that all of us, if we got a chance to be at one of those hangout places. Now, because I was Rune's assistant, I got to be at the place where he was because usually I was the only one in the office who for sure knew where he was. But all the rest wanted to be around him. I mean, the exchange of ideas alone was staggering. Mm. And um, as he was winding down, he said to Don Olmeyer and I that he really wanted to make some magic changes. This was in the last several months of his life. And I put it in the book, and I think it'll probably be shocking to some people, but he had a conversation with the two of us about, I don't know, three or four months before he died and said that he wanted he wanted to retire and he wanted to leave all of ABC Sports in Don's name and my name. And uh, when nothing happened for a while, both of us sort of agreed it probably wasn't the right thing for us and that Runa probably felt trapped now that he had done it. So mm. I went to tell him we weren't going to do it. And uh, he seemed stunned by that. Uh, and I just felt I had to get out of New York. So I rented a car and I drove to the suburbs of Boston, I think Chestnut Hill, to spend the night with the Gowdies because I, I, I loved Kurt and I knew him very well because he was Rune's best friend. And sort of poured my heart out to him. And what a gorgeous heart he had, too. In any case, I did see uh, Rune, thanks to Lorne, about a year later. And by then, I was able to, we, we, we healed whatever breach there was. But it was just as well Don went on to become sort of the, one of the best producers in Hollywood. And I ended up having the life I probably always wanted to have, but didn't think I could have it. And that was running a major sports network. And that was NBC. What was Rune's greatest quality, in your opinion, for what he did for a living? What was the one thing that stood out the most? Two things. One, he had a ceaseless imagination. I said two things, but actually three. The other thing was no sports event should unfold without beginning to tell the story. He was a storyteller. And, you know, one of the things that had him worked up and a lot of us worked up is when we were lucky enough to get the NBA, when CBS, when uh, CBS blew it, all those years with CBS where they couldn't get anything right. And so uh, I just think he, he wanted to make sure that everybody out there knew what had brought these people to this place on this day or this night. And all of us were kind of on notice that we better have stories and good stories to tell throughout a telecast. 
he would have been driven crazy, say, if he had uh, a couple of the CBS announcers who should go nameless, who he thought were just blowhards. He wanted you. (laughs) He wanted you to learn something every game that you were assigned to, whether you were the producer or whether you were the main announcer. And that was the A number one requirement. No ifs, ands, or buts. So one of the things I learned from the book about you was some of the best decisions you made were either jobs you didn't take or jobs you realized, wait a second, if I do this, this sends me down this path and I'm not sure I want to go down this path. I think even though that's a better job on paper, I'm probably better off here with this piece of real estate. I think most people don't think that way. Most people, when they're offered a job, think, whoa, that's a better job for more money. I'm going to take that. How did you have the discipline to kind of instinctively know over and over again, eh, I think I'm better off here. I mean, you're not going to seduce me with that. Well, money was never a major thing to me. I, I grew up in a lower middle class household. There wasn't money dropping from the trees. But I had a father who really was the li- living definition of take care of your fellow man. He was a door to door fundraiser for the American Cancer Society in an industrial town in Connecticut. And as the years went by, he got more and more involved in it, so much so that after about four years of that, the American Cancer Society selected this small-town lawyer from Torrington, Connecticut, to become the president of the American Cancer Society. And time and time again in his life, those were the kind of decisions that he chose. And uh, um, he gave up you know, a year or two of his legal practice because he, he was invited to listen to this combo. Nasser from Egypt and the Shah of Iran both had started to think about making service something that would become of importance in their countries. And they invited my dad, this country lawyer, to come to their countries and show them what made door-to-door fundraising work. And uh, that's the kind of household I grew up in. And then the most important decision in my life, I won an American field service scholarship to go abroad to live in Normandy for a year. And when my dad came home that night from his legal practice, I told him about it. And he said, well, what do you think? I said, I don't want to do it. I I don't want to give up the chance to play on my junior varsity teams. One chance they'll probably ever have to make the state small school championship. And I knew in my heart that I wasn't good enough to be anything other than a scrub, but that was the seduction for me. God, I'd be with my two best friends. We'd have that year and so forth. And my dad never got loud, never got forceful. He just said, Dick, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. You're going to live in the middle of Normandy, Hmm. not that far from where you lost one grandfather, and probably that far again from where you lost another grandfather in a different world war. And this is a chance for you to go get a sense of what made those men want to go do that. And that pretty much convinced me that that was the right thing to do. Now, if you grow up in a house like that, you're not going to be motivated by who's offering the most money. At least that was true of me. That makes sense. In the book, uh, I was really interested to see how 
how you wrote about and discussed your relationship with Lauren Michaels because the Saturday Night Live thing is such a big part of your legacy in the show. And then as the years pass, it's, oh, you know, people just think it was Lauren's show. You were involved in the beginning. You basically saved the show when it was about to die in 1981. Um, And then Lauren came back in 85 and he's been there ever since. There's been a bunch of books and magazine articles about SNL. Um, There's a really good book in the mid 80s about the first 10 years. There was a really good oral history about it. Do you feel like your contributions to that show have been captured accurately and treated accurately? Or do you think that like, just how do you feel about it in general? I feel pretty damn good about it. I mean, through these last, I don't know, eight, 10 years, Lauren and I have completely renewed the relationship that we had from the beginning as friends. Mm. Um, And he was the first to say that I saved the show. He left of his own volition. He just was burned out. And years later, I don't know, making eight or nine, I was burned out. I told him so. I said, I I just don't want to do it anymore. And he said, well, I think I might want to do it. I said, well, great, do it. And he came back and he found that really most important ingredient. He found eight to 10 really gifted writers. And obviously, he continued his record of always being able to find fine young uh, repertory talent. Um, But there was never any ill will between us. I think that uh, Shales and his partner, they thought that would help juice up their book, but it it really wasn't anything in there that was true. And uh, I'm thrilled that uh, Lorne has uh, done so many different things for me uh, in my life. I mean, when uh, Teddy died, four or five people got on a charter jet from New York. And when I woke up from, a, I guess, a coma, uh, standing by my bed was Lord Michaels and the tears rolled down my cheeks. Now you, there's no way you can see the relationship as anything other than two guys who really care about each other. So you knew you had breakfast with them or lunch with them and you're trying to figure out, all right, what is this 1130 Saturday night? What, what is the comedy potential? What is this? And you meet this guy, Canadian guy. No, it didn't happen that way. This the fellow who really, really was the first one. Uh, his name was Herb Schlosser, and I'd met him when oh, he was yeah, trying yeah. to find I screwed that up. You're right. Yeah. He wanted to find someone to run his sports department. I really wasn't interested in it because I just didn't. I felt Arledge would clean my clock. And then also that NBC was not that well that set was smart. up to to be a big successful sports network. They weren't going to put that kind of money suddenly into big time sports. Anyway, um, I found uh, Schlosser to be a real engaging guy. And he called me back a month or two later and asked me to come out to Fire Island where he and his wife had a house. And I went out, spent a 4th of July afternoon with them. And he laid out this idea he had for some kind of comedy show that he wanted to replace Johnny Carson Saturday night uh, repeats. The reason for that being was that Johnny didn't want them there anymore. He wanted them to air on Fridays because he wanted to cut down to another fewer nights of uh, The Tonight Show. Uh, and sure enough, a couple of years later, he was back again, wanted to do fewer nights. And they indulged him as they should have. He was the best. Um, somewhere in that period of time, so I said no to that. 
uh, I kept up the relationship with Schlosser. We talked. And uh, by now, uh, Saturday Night Live was on the air. Lorne uh, was doing well with the show. And uh, I still saw him frequently, but I had no formal involvement with the show. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd help each other out when we could along the way. But uh, there was never this big animosity thing there. As I said, I think the boys from Washington thought that was going to help them celebrate. This episode is brought to you by Duncan. I love Duncan. Duncan just dropped a new kind of energy. They call it sparked energy. I mean, they have peach sunshine. I'm a huge peach guy. Like peach with drinks, I feel like is one of the most underrated drink combo kind of starter things that we have. Well, in this case, these are delicious. They're packed with caffeine and vitamins and minerals that give me the energy I need to get through the day. And a medium is $3 now through March 19th. So drop by and get sparked by Duncan. Sparked energy drinks are fruit flavored, contain 0% fruit juice. Beverages contain caffeine from caffeine and guarana. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. When you took over the SNL 81, Eddie's there. Yeah, yeah. I was watching that show. I was finally old enough to watch the show when it was on live, probably that last Bill Murray season, so season five. And then season six is a disaster. Um, Eddie and Piscopo were really the only two, I think, that made it out of there, but you show up and you immediately know what's like, Eddie's almost like a basketball player. Like, let's just, let's just put the offense around Eddie. Let's get Eddie 30 shots a game. That should be the show. Um, well, that was, that was a part of it. But the other part of it, which, which I think was even more important was I was consumed with the idea that if I could put Eddie's three best spots on between 1130 and midnight Eastern time, to hold that audience that first half hour and late night, and then soon thereafter, maybe update or something like that. But the idea to, to concentrate on giving the audience at that hour what they wanted most of all, instead of dragging it out, and it worked. Um, it, it, it worked all due to Eddie's incredible strength. And as the years went by, we added more people. And Joe um, really uh, knew how to go out and get a bunch of laughs when we needed them. His Sinatra, you know, was hysterical. And uh, the show went from there. And then Eddie uh, said to me at one point, you know, I really, really want to. Oh, by then he had made. Uh, yeah, he was 48 hours in first, training what places. Was his first? 48 hours. 48 hours. And uh, he and uh, the guy who was the head of making films at the Paramount at the time, Katzenberg. They came and sat down with me and said, you know, he really wants to move on. And I said, that's fine. Here's what I'd like. 
I'd like Eddie in this next summer to tape somewhere between eight and 12 pieces, tape between eight and 12 pieces. And they didn't say anything about, oh, my God, it'll be on tape and it won't be live. And they said, great. So they, uh, we started off before we've had audience uh, there for the regular show. We taped a bunch of things. I think one of them, there was a Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. There was a very famous one about Mr. Robinson, somebody's hot tub. Uh, but that was enough to get us started. And then I had uh, a good friend in Robin. And Robin, I think, hosted the first show that Eddie wasn't there for. And we sort of built bricks out from there. And those things kept the show alive. But it wasn't comedy magic on my part. And I never said it was. It was just the ability to know what the audience wanted and to try to give it to them. And to give it to them at an hour that would work for them as opposed to trying to keep them up till 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, grabbing Eddie for that last year certainly fooled me because I just thought he was still in the cast. How would I know? It was, it was like with the internet back then. So Eddie's <laughs> like, oh, great. Eddie's still on the show. We didn't realize like all this stuff was taped. But yeah, it. I think he's the one guy that actually became bigger than the show. You're talking about a show now that's been on since 1975. I guess you could say maybe Belushi because the Blues Brothers were so big. At that point, but Eddie, it just was so clear that he was going to become one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And and I guess it's like him and Belushi are the only two times that's happened. Well, they're they're definitely huge in the long-term success of that show. But I'd say that uh, anyone who's ever had any involvement with the show would say that Eddie was uh, the biggest show uh, star, the biggest sensation yeah. that the show ever had. And I know that covers a lot of ground, but no, he it's... had a magic. I mean, if you let me steal another thing from the book, one of the yeah. classic moments in my career is when my assistant opens the door to my office, often Lawrence through the years as well, and came in and said, Mr. Robinson's downstairs in the lobby. He says he must talk to you. Not Mr. Robinson, Mr. Uh, Mr. Rogers, Rogers. Yeah. Mr. Rogers is downstairs. So that's a little senility on my part. But anyway, he's down in the lobby. He really has to see you. I said, okay, bring him up. So he came up and proceeded to tell me that he just hated the fact that uh, we were making fun of uh, Mr. Rogers. And Anyway, he was crazy about it all. He was very polite. He wasn't ranting and raving. And I said, well, listen, let me, let me just excuse myself for a minute. And I walked down and I told Blaustein and Sheffield, who are the two best writers through all those mid-years, and, uh, and I said, where's Eddie? They said he's due any minute. So I said, I'll send Mr. Uh, Rogers down to uh, your offices as soon as he gets here. And he went down, he talked to him, and he was unrelenting. He said, it's not I have anything against you, young men, but it's disrespectful to what I've created in Mr. Rogers, and I just can't have it. So I went back down and got him and walked him to the elevator and just said, sir, I'm really sorry that we can't find a way to make both of us happy. But just know I'll always be a fan. Uh, and I hope occasionally you'll stay up late to see what's happening in Eddie's Robinson. Eddie. Eddie's Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, again, relationships, relationships, relationships. Amazon uh, just got just launched their football on Thursday. And yeah. they did it. 
pretty similar to how you would have done it if you were in charge of Amazon, right? They went out and they got big people. They spent a lot of money. They got the best production crew. And you they got made Fred Dudelli, who's the best producer of, <laughs> right. of NFL football in the last probably 15 or 20 years, if not longer. They got Al. And it just felt mm-hmm. like real football. I did not feel like I was watching football on a streaming service. I felt like I was watching football on NBC or whatever. It does feel like there's a little bit of a sea change. And you think like football in the 70s, that was one era. Fox stealing football in 94 was kind of the next era. You right. recreated the Sunday night football thing, basically turning Monday night football into a bigger event on Sunday night, which you spell in the book that I thought was really smart, where you, you're just like, all right, what's the problem with Monday night football? All these games suck the last six weeks because they never know who's going to be good. On Sunday night, we could we could reconfigure that. We could change matchups. We could flex. And the matchups will actually be great the last six weeks. So you reinvent that. And now it feels like things are getting reinvented again. Well, I get, I'll be boring you in a second. Relationships, relationships, relationships. The commissioner at the time uh, was uh, Paul Tagliabue. And the head of the television committee was Pat Bowen. And I started off with Bolin, who I had a nice relationship with. I went out to Denver and sat down with him and laid out what this was going to be. You're talking mid-2000s for Sunday Night Football. It's a year before it happened. Yeah. And I lay out how this thing would work, um, how, you know, I said, you guys, do you really realize to this point that um, Monday Night Football has never been the number one program on television? He said, no, I didn't. I said, I guarantee you you'll have that with the way the games can be scheduled uh, on a Saturday or Sunday, as late as that for a game to be played on Monday. And in addition, you can have the A teams from everywhere doing these games. And he grasped it right away. And then I uh, I got, uh, I guess the plane crash was about here. Yeah, And uh, I didn't talk to anybody for a while. And then finally one night, maybe five or six months after the crash, I was upstairs in our bedroom in Connecticut and uh, the family was downstairs having dinner. And I called Pat and he heard my voice and he started to cry. And this was a really, really uh, together guy, but he was just blown away. He couldn't imagine losing the child. And we, talked for a while and after a while he said i do have something i can't wait to tell you i said what's that he said i've got another vote and i said i beg your pardon he said paul is in so i've got his vote i've got my own vote and i'm sure that robert and uh, jerry will go along and, and that's when i knew that it was going to happen and uh, it basically changed television because Football had never been the number one series series on any network at any time. Um, now suddenly, boom! Here, here it was. And uh, well, wait, Rogers, what changed? But what changed for you? Because you let football go in the late nineties because it, it, go. Got to, we were it got losing, it got too it got expensive. too expensive, and we were losing our shirt. So what and happened I, in those eight years that made it so football is too expensive? To football is now a real opportunity for us. What shifted? I convinced Jack Welsh that I could make a go of it financially. And mm. thank God I, I did. 
And the NBC Sports Sales Department overperformed because they had to go, you know, some advertising agencies were really skeptic, skeptical about what kind of an audience you could get after three other games had been played on that day. And I kept saying, there'll be better games more times than not. There'll be better games. And that proved to be true and still true to this day. I didn't think it was possible, but it immediately felt like Monday Night Football had just switched to Sunday night. And I think that was the hardest kind of hurdle. But within like two weeks, it was like, oh, yeah, all right, this is this is it. And I, I think one of the legacies of that was ESPN slash ABC had a chance basically to have Sunday and Monday night, right? And their yep. Sunday night schedule heated up. I think they had Desperate Housewives. And a couple yep. other ones, but yep. they basically could have taken it out and you wouldn't even been in the bidding, but because their TV lineup was doing well, all of a sudden Sunday night opens up and I don't they know, did timing. Not, yeah. Well, they didn't have, uh, the leadership and I'm not talking at this point, I'm not talking about sports leadership. They didn't have the leadership that really was prepared to go fight the biggest leadership in the cap cities world. And they couldn't get it done. And hmm. by the time they did get it done, we'd already made our deal. And they were locked in then to uh, never having the top game of the week again. Yeah. So you think, so Sunday Night Football, so that starts a 15-year era. Are we in a new era now? Do you think, or can is everybody going to coexist? Or do you just see everything headed towards streaming next 12 years? Well, two things. One, I will come back forever to relationships, relationships, relationships. And I think between... Uh, Freddie and uh, Mark Lazarus, they'll, they'll continue to keep that special bond with the NFL. But more importantly, do any of us have a clue what streaming's going to be? I mean, most nights, because my wife and I love television. Yeah. We'll stay up till any hour. But we go wandering around and half the time, how do you know what the hell is there? I mean, it's just, it defies logic. Well, if you can't figure it out, that makes me nervous because you would have been the one, you would have been one of my bets. If Susan can't figure it out, we're all at a loss because she is the ultimate television savant I've ever known in my whole life. And that doesn't come from her having been a great actress. Yeah. She just knows television from A to Z. You know, you had, there's a couple times there, like you get the NBA, the perfect time, right? It, it's yep. CBS, for whatever reason, doesn't really see that this whole Jordan era is coming in the way it's coming. And I, it, it's hard stop, to believe looking back. <laughs> can we stop, though? Is there a more ridiculous, asinine thing ever said about in television sports than Neil Pilsen saying when they lost it? He said, well, the future of the league is Utah and Cleveland. Yeah. This was after two years of those incredible Detroit and Chicago conference finals. Right. I mean, what were they? They definitely weren't smoking anything very strong over there to let that thing get away and come to us. Right. So you get, you buy in at a pretty good price. You ride them all yeah. through the 90s. Yep. The money's going up. Jordan leaves and you get out, I don't know, at a pretty good time there in the early 2000s, right? As, you know, they're trying to search for new superstars and the quality of play is going down, stuff like that. And then you're out of the NFL, but you're in on the Olympics, but then you realize you get back in the NFL. It seems like over and over again, you're like this guy at the blackjack table who is like, ah, this table's getting a little cold. I'm out. I'm cashing in. Wait, you're doing so well. What happened? 
No, well, I'm out. I'm out. Cash me out. And then you'd come back to the table two hours later and be like, I'm back in. That's pretty close. But again, Jack Welsh, Jack Welsh, because he was the one who was backing me to keep coming back to the table. And I never let him down. We never were in a situation where we were left hanging with something for a long period of time. You basically, you, you effectively retired in 2011. Have that, have, as you've been watching from afar, have there been opportunities that you've seen the last 10 years that you're like, man, can't believe they did that or can't believe they're not realizing that this is a bigger asset or anything like that? Do you feel like there was one move that you couldn't believe nobody saw? Well, let me be positive. Yeah, be positive. I think Pataro at ESPN began to clean up the mess that that character who got fired, what was his name? Skipper. Yeah. I mean, whoa. But Pataro, with with the moves he made, um, bringing back Boomer, I mean, come on. Chris is beloved by almost everybody. And he came back. And you just see the enlightenment and the features they do. And then there's really unbelievable relationship that they put together with, uh, with the Mannings. Mm. I mean, all of us had had relationships with the Mannings for a year. And Pataro snuck in there and he made a good relationship. And he's got some really intriguing stuff. So, you know, you just have to keep putting it out there. And uh, ESPN for a long time didn't seem... Uh, particularly in the skipper years, to know what was going on in the world. But uh, things look up to be a lot better in ESPN today. You'd be a better judge of that than I would. Though. Well, they did save the football relationship the last four years, I think was... They did. It yep. felt like it was pretty much cratered. And now it feels like it's in a better place. I and mean, you could see with some of the games they were getting, they were get, they're getting basically the shit games. Now, um, they lost... Are they a loser in this Big Ten uh, uh, dance? I don't know. I mean, they have so much stuff now. Yeah. And plus with college, I would say like from a college standpoint, it's just complete chaos. So what are you buying? Right? Like they have the Texas, they had the Texas channel that now is getting folded into the SEC channel. (laughs) And it's just, I don't know, the college would make me nervous, even though it seems like it's getting the ratings. See, the crazy thing to me I talked about this on a podcast a couple weeks ago that football, it felt like people were turning on it for a bunch of different reasons, like because of the some of the off the field stuff, because of the concussions, yep. um, people resent like the, the new stadiums getting built all over the place. And it just felt like the league was a little out of touch with the fans. And there was this whole generation of people that were really going after it, myself included. And then post pandemic, it just seems like people like having football around. It feels like football is as popular as it's been in 20 years, which I agree. I would not have predicted. I absolutely agree. And I think that uh, all the networks have some pretty good people uh, in their talent lineups for that, that make it good. And um, I think the NFL is very much aware of trying to even out the schedules between the networks. It doesn't make all of them happy every week, but it's seldom that anybody has a terrible lineup week after week. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I still uh, like to watch an NFL game on Sunday and an NFL game on Monday. And then now we get Thursday. Hopefully the Thursdays will will be uh, a little bit better. One of the things from your book, 
I just have to ask this because I'm always fascinated by this stuff. You had this innate sense of where the numbers were going to land. So you have, you told the whole story about the Sunday Night Football and how it landed and they told you, ah, it's going to be 700 a year. And you're like, well, I'm not going to be able to get there. But you knew like, ah, I might be able to get to 600 a year. So now you're in some room. You're in a room with a bunch of billionaires who own these different teams, right? Who are in charge of the TV committee. These guys are always used to winning every deal and they're always used to getting what they want. So probably the hardest people to, hardest people to negotiate with because not only are you negotiating with all of them separately, but then together they're, they're going to have little alpha dog stuff about, all right, well, I want to do this. Well, I want to do that. And yet you come out of that room and you're like, yeah, it probably should be 600 a year. And then everybody just looks at each other and goes, yeah, sounds good. Like it can't be, <laughs> it can't be that easy. I just, I, I would have thought it would have taken like five days, but it didn't seem like it did. Well, one of the things that is important in all this is that this is one way you hold on to your affiliates because they participate in sales opportunities in these NFL games that mean more to them than anything else they put on their air. Right. So then, but but how do you end up, how do you innately know what the number is going to be is my question. Like, how do you know? That has to be some, is it just experience or is it just like telepathy? What is it? How do you know? It's, in my case, it's always believing that I have a clue about who the best six to 12 teams will be for five or six years out because without, because you'll be able to work with the league to come up with scheduling that'll work for you. But, but you've got to know that you're going to be in the game that you're going to have a little bit less than half your schedule represent mm. really good teams. So you're looking at the NBA in the beginning of the 2000s, trying to think about renewing them. And you're, you're thinking, what is this league going to look like in 2006? What's this league going to look like in 2007? Down the road, not just what's now. Who are the stars? Who can I build around? And then you're assessing the price to that. Well, and then the what company, you can sell it for. I knew that ESPN and Turner in particular were willing to throw the national bank to get the uh, NBA at that point. And that was just something I could not bring back to NBC with the amount of money I had them paying out for the NFL at that point and the amount of money that they were paying out for the Olympics and something they had to give. And David and I were really close friends and we were in LA in the middle of the finals. I forget which one it was. And I said, let's go for a walk. And we walked away from uh, the NBA during a walk with David and I talking. We remained friends. We had a dinner about a week later with our key staff members and to show you the sense of humor that I had about it, and they, they did as well. My gift to Dave, David was about 800 feet of coaxial cable with a cord that said, I know you won't be able to watch the NBA games anymore in your car on your way home to Salisbury, I mean, to uh, Scarsdale. So maybe you can go some distance between hookups. And he laughed. Everybody in the room laughed. We all hugged each other and we all went off in our different directions. But mm. um, I miss him terribly, uh, Bill. He was one of the most extraordinary minds I ever came across. And I've been pulling my thoughts together for what I'm going to say at the uh, 
Hall of Fame in a, in a little bit more than a week and a half. And I think he and Michael and Magic, you know, they changed the game. Uh, it wasn't just on the court. It was the leadership that was there. It wasn't just players. It, it was league officials and it was players. I mean, um, and the person who sort of orchestrated that whole thing was David Stern and some and about five or six really enlightened owners. And I believe today, I know there are probably people out there who disagree with me, but I think the NBA is second only to the NFL in terms of being the, the, the most popular league. I think baseball has real issues. You happen to be in a town with unbelievably enlightened readers, uh, uh, leadership and men who are uh, Tom and John have been willing to put their money out there so often for the team. But that's not true in many cities in the league anymore. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you think baseball looks like 15 years from now? Depends on how many more Tom and Johns there are out there, because that's really the key thing. You can go to so many American cities and see how baseball is not drawing the way it used to. Um, and this commission, commissioner, I mean, I, I don't know him, but Ever since that line about they're all competing for a piece of metal, I had my hard time. I've had a hard time getting my arms around understanding where he was coming from with a remark like that that was so derogatory about the biggest event in the sport. Mm. I think Tom Werner would have made a great commissioner, but they they gave it to the lawyer. The Olympics was something that became a staple for you for in a bunch of different ways and you know yep. in a lot of ways the pinnacle of storytelling what what does the olympics look like 15 20 years from now and well, is that, i think it looks i think it looks pretty awesome for the next decade or so when you have the next olympics in paris and the one after that in la that's a that's a pretty good uh uh start toward a good run of olympics i, I don't know what they are beyond those two but those two alone in olympics in paris and then Los Angeles, cheapers. Couldn't ask for more. Yeah, it's, it feels like it, the Olympics is tra is transferring to, to some new destiny. And I don't know what it is because the internet and the immediacy of everything made it impossible to do any sort of tape delay stuff, right? Everything has to be live. Everybody has to know right away what happened. And unless well, it's like on the right time zone for America, it doesn't seem like it resonates. I got... Uh, tarred and feathered many a time by the uh, New York Times, who always was furious when I would tape delay. Mm. But we did so much research. Like on the West Coast, people, when asked, when would you most like to watch the Olympics? They'd say, when we're home to watch it. When are you home to watch it? From 6 o'clock at night on, probably till 11 or 12. Now, I don't, I care more about that research than I ever cared what some no, nothing writer from the New York Times wrote. Right. Um, you wrote about your son's death so eloquently in the book. Was that one of the main reasons you want to write this book? That's a very good question. Huh? When the crash happened, um, I survived because Charlie ran into an incredible inflaming inferno of aviation fuel to somehow be able to pull me away from that plane. But Susan insisted on 
everybody coming home to Litchfield, our little town in the Birch Troops. And we were there for about a month and a half or two months. And we talked so much, so, so often, almost joy, joy, joyfully about Teddy. He was this unbelievable character, so funny. Um, he was the one who always wanted to dream up some new activity for all of us to, to do. And Susan got us talking about him and sharing our common memories of him. And when people ask me today, what, what can you say um, help get you through this the most? And I'd say it was my wife orchestrating, keeping all of us together for three or four months and us talking to each other all the time. Not Romina. I never ran back to New York to my job and NBC and GD were great. And uh, so many of our other stars and leaders went back to their homes and we um, encouraged them to do it. And I think that's the way you deal with a tragedy like that. I wouldn't have thought to do it, but Susie did. And it worked for our family. When you're looking back, you're writing a book and you're writing all these different things that have happened to you over the last 60 years. Did you, did you, did one regret, one professional regret pop up that made you think, oh, I never really unwrapped this in my head, but now that we're doing this process, hmm. And you go down the sliding doors road thinking about what if that had happened or what, was there one thing? Not really. I mean, I, I had the career I wanted to have. I never felt I didn't have something. I, yeah. I really didn't. And, uh, I look back now as so much of my life, I'm religious, but not wildly so. But I think my life has been a series of unbelievable, unbelievable gifts. Um, and, and then, of course, I've been lucky enough to pick the right people to work for on many occasions and to get out there and to have parents who, you know, really push me along. Um, I have an older brother has a different name. His name is Josiah Bunting. He lives in New England. And he uh, was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford, and he uh, ultimately ended up serving quite a bit of his life in the military. It was general. And he was the commandant of Virginia military, the one who took VMI co-ed. Um, had unbelievable friends. He ran the uh, uh, that incredible uh, war memorial that exists in Washington, D.C. now. I recommend that to any of your listeners. Go to Washington and see this incredible thing that's been built to celebrate the great soldiers of our, our history. But I talk to my brother every day of my life, and I get so much guidance from him. And uh, He's only got one problem in his life, and you're going to start to giggle when I tell you what it is. But he can't get by the fact that the Red Sox have to lose this many games this year. Oh, I thought it was going to be that they traded Mookie Betts, because that's even worse no. than losing the games. <laughs> you are praising the owners earlier. I'm, I'm mad at the owners for the Mookie Betts trade. I was biting my tongue. It was tough. Well, it's tough to trade your the, the best outfielder you've had in 50 years. But um, Yeah, but on the other hand, when Teddy died, the first people on the phone were Tom and John and building that incredible Teddy Eversoll's mm. fields in the, down on the Esplanade. I mean, I can't tell you the number of men um, 
who stay at the hotel there now. And there's a suite there named after Teddy, a presidential suite. Wow. And these businessmen will write letters about how moved they were by being in the suite and seeing the memorabilia of this kid's life. But most of all, again, people see that there is a way of survival through tragedy like this. And I'm forever grateful that Tom and John and others work so hard. I mean, I'll never forget, uh, I uh, got asked several winters ago by Joe Torrey, what were you and, oh God, who was the Red Sox manager three or four years ago? I'm sorry, I'm blind. Alex Cora? No. Terry Francona? Before. Yeah, Francona. And Francona, it's like the eighth inning of a Yankee Red Sox game. And Francona says, comes over to the, by the seats, I guess they were once called the Benefer and seats or something, something stupid like that. Anyway, he starts telling me the story of how that previous Christmas season he'd spent in the hospital in Mass Gen having major surgery and feeling sorry for himself. And he'd look outside in the cold December and January winter and the ice and the snow and everything, admonishing himself, how can I feel sorry for myself? And this young man is buried in the ground a couple hundred miles away from here. And uh, again, I can't thank the people of Boston and the, and the governor at the time, Mitt Romney, and all those others who chose to uh, honor Teddy and the mm. kids of Boston to give the fields to them, much the same way the Richards family has done the same thing downtown. And they're a remarkable family, too. I've had the good fortune since they lost their son in that tragic marathon shooting. Um, but they survived. And they've shown the way you can survive. There's a lot we didn't get to in the book. I mean, you had, people have to read it, but you have Letterman Leno stories, Johnny Carson stories. Um, basically, you're, you were at the forefront in some way of just about every Olympics that uh, that people would remember since 1968. Um, I'm trying to think what else. you ha Oh, we didn't talk about Vince McMahon, the XFL. Saturday Night Main Event, which was a huge part of my childhood, uh, and Friday Night Videos, um, which was another one, which Friday Night Videos seemed like the easiest idea possible, but it wasn't. Nobody, everybody thought videos were just on MTV, that's it. All of a sudden, they were on NBC, and it was amazing. Um, on Vince, though, wait, have you talked to him since he uh, he stepped down? We've, we've exchanged some texts. I, uh, I love Vince, and, and he, uh, he was there for me. And I'll be there for him through his tough times. And OJ was another one that is in the book too. I mean, I can't, it feels like you've, people, basically everybody who is famous from the last 50 years in sports and entertainment somehow passed through your vortex. I'm trying to think who, who didn't, who, like, I guess like you weren't involved with like the NBC Thursday night lineup, right? You had no, did you have any input in that? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, uh, unfortunately, I did know Trump a little bit, but that doesn't need to be expanded upon. <laughs> right. just, just take the word unfortunate. You the, you were involved in the Letterman Leno stuff. You were yeah. you you were involved with Fred Silverman, the most legendary TV executive ever, who flamed out like had the worst. He was no ever. Brand, let's put it this way: he was no Brandon Tartikoff. <laughs> right. Brandon that. Tartikoff is still to this day the greatest television programmer who ever walked the face of the mm. earth. Fred Silverman was not that. And then the the only other thing I had was 
it didn't seem like you totally wanted to retire when you retired. But the way it worked out, you just decided you didn't want to work at NBC anymore because of you go into it in the book. But um, was it a situation where if it wasn't going to be NBC, that was it? It was the fact that there was no more Jack Welsh. There was no more GE. And that was the company that I had come to uh, feel most comfortable with and to love the leadership. And I wasn't ready for the leadership change. I knew Brian Roberts, but I didn't know most of the rest of the uh, Comcast team. But in this particular case, it was. I really had a glorious relationship with Welsh and the GE world, and they were wonderful to me. And I was always of a mind that I was going to leave early rather than later in my career, and I didn't. Mm. The book is called From Saturday Night to Sunday Night. It is by Dick Ebersol. I I ripped through it in uh, in a day and a half. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for writing. And thanks for coming on. I'm glad we finally did this. Well, make sure they know that the book has some collection of pictures. They're stunning. Mm. And there, there are lots and lots of people who you've probably never seen as relaxed or giddy as they are in the pictures in that book. And the opportunity, I mean, how often are you going to see a picture of Richard Pryor smoking a cigarette on the White House lawn at a luncheon that Ronald <laughs> Reagan is giving for the Special Olympics, of which Susan was a, 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 an officer at the time. And Pryor and I were on the lawn smoking away. Good luck with the book. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad we finally did this. Thank you, Bill. It was a pleasure, a big pleasure. Thank you. All right, thanks to the great Dick Ebersol. Thanks to Cousin Sal. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well. I will be back on this podcast on Tuesday. Don't forget about the rewatchables coming Monday, Saving Private Ryan. And don't forget about the Ringer's Fantasy Football Guide on theringer.com as well as the Ringer Fantasy Football Show if you're trying to prep for whatever fantasy football drafts you have. If you're, if you're like me, you probably have them on Tuesday and Wednesday night getting as close to the season as possible. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the weekend. I'll see you on Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.